0: Hello and welcome to a very special and rather spontaneous episode of Between the Liars. And I'm joined by my co-host today, Ken Drew, who is the host of Taboo Topic. And we're bringing you a joint presentation of the President's Address, uh, his joint session to Congress. We'll be talking about that. And right now we've got about, uh, let's see here on the clock, 26 minutes and 50 seconds before we actually go to his live address. How are you doing today, Ken?
1: I'm living the dream, man. Just uh, how big, how big is this dumpster fire going to be? It's my biggest <laughs> question. <laughs> uh,
0: well, if people want to weigh in on that and take a guess at how this is going to go, uh, you can actually take a poll on the Between the Liars Twitter page. And actually, I'm also going to send a link directly to that poll in the chat, so you can go and that'll be available for 24 hours afterwards. So even you know if you don't, if you don't get around to. To actually voting now, uh, <laughs> then, then vote later. Let us know what yep. your original thoughts are. You know, be honest, a little pre-test, post-test, you know, as the social science does when they <laughs> want to know, does uh, does this change your mind about anything? So this is, the poll we have up right now is strictly, what do you think the address is going to be like? And then we'll probably take one about what you actually thought it was, and we'll see if those line up or not.
1: And for my audience who happens to be listening to your show, you can also take my poll on Instagram. We have the first one where I ask you your approval rating for Joe Biden. And then the second one, your thoughts on the State of the Union as a whole, not the speech, but just where we're at as a country. So be sure to participate in my poll as well.
0: Yep. Uh, that's <laughs> – this is the interactive part. Yes. Uh, let me I'm, – I'm pulling up our Twitter right now to kind of see. I've got it, uh, got it pinned at the top of our page.
1: So, to my audience members right now, because my only two people have participated. So, if I wanted better, if we want better numbers to really understand where we're at, uh, please, by all means, participate in my polls at Kenja underscore Express on Instagram. But two people so, so far have actually responded, and as far as Joe Biden's approval rating for the first answer, it is hell now. Let's go, Brandon, and both of those people have answered that specific question. <laughs> Yeah, it's better for to <laughs> say that you did it, uh, so far only one person has responded to that, and the answer to that one was like the last, it's like answer choice D, and it was, uh, it was, I have no opinion about this, I'm just doing me, so, and that's, some people, they just don't know really what's going on, so that's fair for them as well.
0: <laughs> just doing you, that's, <laughs> uh, oh man, that is... I mean, it, about, that's the average
1: American.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, So uh, my poll up there is uh, you've got the option. How do you think the state of the union address will go? You've got amazing, good, meh, and it'll be a train wreck. Uh, right now I've got two votes and they're both sitting at, it'll be a train wreck. All right, <laughs> right, right now I disagree. Uh, actually, Ken, why don't you and I give our prediction? So for me, if I had to go off of the scale that I put up there, I'd say, meh, I don't think that it's going to be spectacular. I don't think it's going to be a train wreck. I'll let you know if I change my opinion after, though. But what do you think?
1: I think it's going to be a train wreck, mainly because of his public speaking abilities. And I really do believe he is uh, having some cognitive issues, to put it nicely. So, um, I mean, it'll help him, though, that he will have a, a speech written out for him as well. So he tends to do well when it's on script. So that by itself will be good, but it'll be very interesting to see as far as the damage control, that'll be pretty much he's going to have to do tonight, um, especially given what just happened recently with the Russia-Ukraine situation, and yep. all the other issues that are really transpiring in our country today, really just one year since he took office.
0: Yeah, so it, it's been interesting because there's been some comparisons uh, between, so for example, like George W. Bush, his first State of the Union address, he had just dealt with the aftermath of 9-11, Um, And you've had, you know, periodically there's there's been disasters that were out of the president's hands. Uh, The Ukraine being invaded by Russia right beforehand is definitely an unfortunate situation to be in, especially right as you have to give an address.
1: Right. And it really depends on whether or not you believe Joe Biden is responsible for what's taking place in Russia and Ukraine situation.
0: That's true. What do, you, what do you think about that? Do you think that that is on him? Do you think that that was uh, like an existential circumstance?
1: So I definitely think not just the United States, but also the EU and the United Nations as a whole. Um, they're responsible for what took place, I think, in reality, if you go back through the history. And this is actually after like about a week of just kind of doing research and get, gathering information as it, as it comes. But if you look back from really since the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, one thing I didn't realize that about Ukraine and Russia was the people itself, there's actually a lot of history between the two, culturally speaking, and they actually get along with each other. It's just the governments don't get along. So fast forward to around the 2000s, I want to say, um, they actually had a more pro-Russian government, and the United States didn't like that, and the other European countries didn't like that, so around, that's when the whole revolution took place around 2014. And they put that Zelensky guy in there, a more pro-Western democracy uh, guy in there in Russia, obviously, didn't like that. So I think think in the grand scheme of things, I think uh, Joe, not necessarily Joe Biden took part in it, but um, there are, though, then again, there is rumors that he has some dark money in that country, which that's just speculation, obviously, there's... No confirm. I can't confirm that's true or not. But yeah. um, some people look at that and say that's just a you know that's just a distraction, and that's why it's all on Joe Biden. What's taking place right now? So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if that makes sense.
0: So, to me, I, I think it's. <sighs> The whole Afghanistan situation that was a disaster, I think, was unfortunately a demonstration that the United States doesn't really have their stuff together, and since we were the ones who had backed the Ukraine, or at least said that we would, because if you recall, the Ukraine used to have nuclear weapons, and then they got rid of them, and the West, including the United States, had promised that if an enemy invaded or threatened them, then we would have their back. And when we demonstrated that we did not have our stuff together um, in the Afghanistan situation, I really think that that signaled to Putin that the United States was not going to... They were not, yeah, they were not in a position to really be able to do a whole lot. And I'm not saying that that is the only thing that led to it, because it certainly was not the only thing. But when you, you know, I think that people tend to underestimate the importance of the, when when you're looking at things from a global perspective, the way that you present the strength or weakness of your nation has, it it has ripple effects. And Mm -hmm. whether you mean for those effects to go out or not, that's what happened. Um, and I think that uh, I will say, though, that I think that to the European Union's credit, I think Putin did underestimate their desire and ability to pull off an intervention because, you know, we, we've seen them mobilize uh, mm-hmm. to kind of come and help. So I don't know. It's, it's very complex. It's very muddy. And I, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting to see people who were, you know, vaccine and health experts on Facebook the other week are now experts in Ukraine. I mean, I think although we we'll talk about these things. You know, I'm not going to claim to be an expert in it, but I do do my research before I get on so that I actually have, you know, something at least accurate to talk about. And I do make Uh a distinction between, you know, my own conjecture. (laughs) (laughs)
1: so yeah I feel like I was a shot
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man so tonight is going to be uh, obviously very very different uh, than our usual live stream number one it's on a different day than we usually do and number two most of this is really you're just going to be watching our reactions so you know if you're li- I, I will put this out and Ken will put this out as an audio only option on our podcast platforms but if you want to see our faces uh, which we'll probably be doing like a lot of yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you didn't get that, it's because it's a you know it's a it's a nonverbal thing. So <laughs> make sure you get the full effect by watching us on our Facebook, our YouTube, or our Twitch channel. And Ken will also have the option to share those. So you can still get the audio only version if you want to. We will potentially interject every once in a while during this speech, but uh, really we're going to be doing a, a debrief. So you've got your pre-show entertainment with us, with our, our polls going. We'll give you the live commentary, and then we will have a post address discussion. Anything that we kind of feel like pulling from. We'll talk about that for a little bit afterwards. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. Um, yeah. It's going to be... I'm really curious to see how this time going to go with all the things that's happened. So...
0: Well, I mean, if the State of the Union address is to basically present where are we at as a nation, I, I really think that, you know, <laughs> I feel like the state is, you know, I mean, we, we've got inflation massively outpacing the wage growth. So, you know, people are feeling it in their pockets there every time you go to the pump or to the store with the invasion of Ukraine and then with all of the sanctions and all of the, the gas prices um, going up as a result of that on top of the gas price inflation that already went up, uh, <laughs> like there, people are feeling that at home. You've also got the, you know, what we're, we're still sorting through with a lot of the COVID measures that the United States is dealing with. There's just a lot that... I don't know. If, if the point is to present a unified front, I think it's going to be difficult to present that outside of the fact that, you know, recently a lot of the Democratic governors scrambled to change their messages to fix a lot of things. So if like, for example, uh, let's see, it was California, Washington, Oregon, and I believe New York made a statement that they were going to be uh, demasking kids in schools early this month, and they announced mm-hmm. that yesterday. Right. We've seen no change in the data for COVID. What we've seen is a change in the polling numbers for, you know, the <laughs> approval ratings. And we were, up. You know, if, if there was actually a change, then demonstrate it. But I, I haven't seen it, which, you know, my conclusion then is going to be this is politically driven. It's politically driven because of the State of the Union address that we're about to discuss, and it's politically driven because the Democrats are being absolutely destroyed when it comes to kind of the pre-midterm polls. Like they've swung like 19 points, which is crazy um, just on a national level. And I think you've got something like 13 Democratic governors who are defending their seats this year and people take their outrage to the polls. That nothing drives someone to the polls faster than when they're upset. I mean, we saw massive turnout with Donald Trump. We saw massive turnout in the Virginia gubernatorial race. We continue to see the outrage driving people. So I think that part of this is definitely going to be damage control. Like, hey, we're dealing with COVID. Hey, we're dealing with Ukraine. Hey, we're dealing with, I don't know, gas. Whatever else he happens to bring up. Those are kind of your big ticket issues and i'm interested to see how he presents good news given everything that's going on and the direct tie to the party you know i mean that, that's what's interesting
1: yeah i remember what you were just saying right there that last part i remember is an episode from spongebob if anyone knows <laughs> know like spongebob but there's an episode where they freak out about a butterfly in particular to the point where the the butterfly Actually, destroy the city. Well, actually, the butterfly did destroy the city. The citizens destroyed the city because they were freaking out and everything like that. But in the meantime, old man Jenkins is in the background with the headphones and just go just like snapping his fingers and everything like that. <laughs> and old man Jenkins is basically the same age as Joe Biden. And so when you were that last part you said that's exactly what I think Joe yeah. Biden probably tried to accomplish tonight and say, like, there's nothing there's nothing going on here. There's nothing to worry about, guys. Come yep. on, man.
0: Uh, (laughs) Well, and and this is what's – to our listeners, do not make – make no mistake. Uh, The CDC has been updating uh, their maps, like, for example, who is high risk for COVID. And it went from, like, 93% to 97% of the United States is high risk down to, like, if I'm remembering correctly, 13%. And they they have no data demonstrating that this is not the case, right? So when you see people aligning with parties – and you see them pulling this out right before Joe Biden has to come out and make a State of the Union address, and people are tuning into that, politically motivated. That, that is my verdict on that, and that will probably continue to be my verdict for the rest of the night, is that this is politically motivated because their poll ratings are abysmal. And now, like I mentioned before, after the CDC changed that to reflect that with no demonstration of a change in data, no demonstration of change in anything, then we have the Democratic Party has a has a caucus amongst themselves where the governors got together and they basically made that joint decision to demask the kids here and I think it's about a week week and a half and that's so that now Joe Biden can come out and he can jump in front of the parade that is the downcline of covid and say look at what we've done right because and I will say this right now before he gets on there uh, it was it's. they haven't done anything to change this. There was no measures that they put into place that they can tie, no metrics that demonstrate that that's the case. What the we're seeing is we – sorry, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, if anything, we've seen them try to shove it down our throats even more throughout the last year. It's only until, it's only been until recently because it's a midterm – it's an election year. that oh. They decided to change their mind. Before then, they did not give a rat's ass about what we had to say as far as this is not <laughs> – this is not something we want. We don't want right. this. As a matter of fact, right now, as we speak,ing there is a tricker convoy in America right now that's heading to D.C. to protest the administration, and their mandates with with concerning the vaccine and, bit, and everything like that. So, I mean, it's definitely going to be damage control, I think, tonight more than anything, um, to trying to persuade the audience and the public, really, of American population that it's not as all as bad as it seems right now, guys. So, um, I, I would. Say, I, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, like I would. This is a question that's not on either one of our polls, (laughs) but I'm going to go ahead and ask the question anyway. But how many of y'all would actually would agree with the sentiment of Joe Biden has uh, united the country against him? That's just my perspective. Against him? That's the key (laughs) word. (laughs) I agree the country is more unified. It's just not what he wanted to be.
0: (laughs) I think, yeah. Well, I think... I mean, make, make no mistake, you know, there, there was a time and a place for these measures. I don't knock those measures, right? Like, so the safety distance, the masking and all of that. But like, as we've continued to see actual data be reported, we're not actually seeing that the Democratic... Uh, governors are like, take whatever democratic leaders you want to, who are passing this legislation and democratic strongholds. They're not actually reflecting the data. So for example, like the CDC just recently came out within the last, eh, within the last month, I don't remember the exact time frame. And they said that if we're going to try to prevent the spread of the latest, so Omicron, right, then right. any of the face masks that they're using other than a KN95 is not actually reducing the spread. And yet we still continue to see that what they're requiring is just a mask. And they claim that that's to stop the spread, but the data actually demonstrate that that's not the case. So like we're, we're really seeing inconsistencies here and that's what needs to be highlighted before this address comes out because what's going to happen is COVID is, is probably going to be announced as relatively dead, I think, in this address. And I think it's going to be attributed to the Democratic uh, proposals and measures in those areas. And I don't think, in my opinion, the data actually support that. But, you know, hey, for tuning in, Uh, this is the partisan show. It's just me and Ken. Unfortunately, there's no opposition that can make it tonight.
1: (laughs) We had someone else originally supposed to come on, but uh, I guess he didn't check his calendar. So, (laughs) but I will say though, too, something to note that I think it's interesting how Dr. Fauci has suddenly gone quiet the last couple of weeks. That's true. Like I haven't heard anyone. I haven't heard from him ever since really these measures have been starting to roll back. And I think, like you said, it really has to do with the, they're seeing the poll numbers now. And it's an election year, and I really would not be surprised if we saw a red tsunami come November. So not even a red wave. It's going to be a red tsunami, I think. My people are just fed up with – I think the Democrats have definitely overestimated the popularity of their ideas, and that's going to come back to bite them, especially when it comes to stuff like even critical race theory, for example, in schools, which that was one of the reasons why uh, Virginia went red was because many parents were concerned about the direction – the public school system was going and trying to teach kids that you know to see the world through the races of uh lens of race excuse me so i think that'll be also another part of the damage control that joe biden will have to play into as far as the racial divisiveness that has taken place within the last year especially towards anybody who just disagrees uh with his beliefs and his policies so it's a uh, there's been at times where his administration my from my perspective where they've come across as very obtuse to the american people's uh, concerns for sure.
0: Well, actually now that i'm thinking of it off the top of my head, the build back better package is probably going to be something that he pitches as well as like one of their major wins, sure. which that didn't pass. So, <laughs> you know, like I, I, like it's it's going to it's probably going to be between that and the infrastructure bill, right? Because the infrastructure pa- infrastructure package was passed. Uh, with Republican support, not all Republicans, but it was unanimous for the Democrats and then enough for the Republicans to give it Fantastic. the edge that they needed. And uh, I think he's going to be trying to come out and say that that's something that's really, really good, right? Because we're spending more money than we ever have on our infrastructure. However, I, the
1: American people are also concerned about the national debt going up in, you know, yes. and inflation. So that's another thing he's going to have to probably address at some point.
0: Yep. And I think that what's really going to be interesting to see is if that message is enough to carry him and his administration through this, because, you know, people are seeing their gas prices go up. They're seeing their groceries go up. They're seeing their heat and their electricity go up. They're seeing all of this rise. They're, they're seeing maybe an artificial raise in their wages, but it's not enough to outpace inflation, which means it doesn't actually mean anything to them. Right. So we're seeing that, you know, they're feeling it at home. And I don't think that pitching them, hey, guess what? Your roads, they're a little bit better. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to I don't think that's going to cut it. I really don't.
1: And I also want to point out, too, that I think now that we've had like so with Donald Trump in particular, we saw a shift in policy as far as because after World War II, uh, people really strayed away from nationalism, politics in particular, as as, especially when it comes to policies. And Donald Trump brought that back. And now we kind of been a year away from that. We went back to a more globalist perspective when it comes to policymaking. And I think the American people now have a very distinct and very uh, clear view now as far as like what it looks like when we have a president that puts has a globalist agenda versus a, a America first agenda, as uh, the Trump crowd would say. So I and think... I think- Go ahead. I
0: think having those back to back really starkly contrasts them as well. Now, obviously, there's a lot of variables that do not make those exactly the same, but at the same time, you know, you do see kind of where does one drift and where does the other drift, and we see them in back to back presidential candidates. So, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how those messages are pitched. Right, like we we saw how Donald Trump handled those. I'm interested to see how President Biden is going to handle that this year.
1: Yeah. It's going to be. uh, I wonder how many people are going to listen to this and vote for Joe Biden have a buyer's remorse as well, because I'm pretty sure there's also a lot of people who have that buyer's remorse right now. um, At least from what I've seen on television and from my social media, which, granted, it's more slanted more to the conservative bias. So I'll admit there's some bias there and everything like that. But even from more left, uh, my more lefty friends, they will admit they are not they've been disappointed with Joe Biden's performance so far, so at the very least.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what he does with the Build Back Better agenda because it was killed. If I had to guess and make a prediction, I'd say that he probably tries to use that as a spur his voters to the polls to vote in favor of his party right? because we didn't have enough that we needed to get this through. He'll probably harp on some of the bigger ticket items, Um, such as the child tax credit and certain reliefs and things that are going to be very heavily steeped in the need for higher taxes, right? And, you know, we've done episodes and we'll probably do more episodes about what are the ins and outs of these actual packages. In fact, if you go back uh, to one of our earlier episodes, you would see that we unpacked the major ticket items on the Build Back Better agenda. But I'm assuming it'll probably be spun as if we could only have the support that we needed Right? So get that in the next election cycle. You know, We just need more time. That's usually the way a, a president who's going up for re-election or who's supporting his party that's up for re-election, they come back and they say, well, we wanted to do this, but we need more time. Right? And like, I'm like, in what world do you do a job and you get to come back and say, you know what? We need more money, more time, and they expect you to be happy about it. Like I, I do not know a boss in any other profession that would be okay with that
1: welcome to the federal government
0: ryan i know i know i know well, we're sitting about the five minute mark before we actually get to listen to how this address goes uh if you haven't uh make sure that you're taking our poll on twitter uh follow us at between the liars or if you check in the comments i have pasted the link to take it right there that poll is up for 24 hours i do want to hear How you all think this speech is going to go. And then we'll put another one up to make sure that uh, you get to tell us how you thought that it went. And if you haven't, uh, make sure that you follow uh, at Between the Liars on Instagram. We've got a Facebook page. We've got our Twitter, a YouTube channel. We do have a TikTok. And uh, Ken, where can they find you? Ours is usually just at Between the Liars. Ken, if they want to listen to Taboo Topic, where can they find you?
1: So, if you want to keep up to date with what I'm doing, particular, you can follow me on Instagram at kenjin underscore express, and then you can also follow me on Facebook. I'm you, TikTok actually. Ryan got me into TikTok finally, so (laughs) I sold my soul to the devil. But if you want to follow me on TikTok, it's also kenjin underscore express. It's including Getter and uh, soon uh, Truth Social, the one that Donald Trump's going to be on. So I'm going to be following him. So. that's right uh oh, man. i'm not about I'm, I'm, I'm not twitter guys, so you can't find me there but as far as facebook that one is just taboo topic just look for the logo that says honesty equals understanding so <laughs> um, i also write articles too so don't be afraid to read my articles that's in correlation with my podcast on wednesdays uh that's kenjin 296subseccom all of that said ladies and gentlemen please please be sure to take my poll as well on instagram what you think how Joe Biden has done so far, and also where are we at as a country? Are we more unified? Is it better than it was a year ago, etc.? So you can do that poll at Kenjin underscore Express.
0: I'll be interested to see how that last poll turns out because Joe Biden did run on the platform of unity, and yep. my thoughts were this can go one of two ways. I can either unify you because I meet in the middle, which you know usually the 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 president that is in charge of a house and a senate, and has to kind of work with either they're split or they're not close enough that they need to actually work with each other, right? Because you don't have the supermajority that you need to pass a lot of the legislation. Usually, if you want to actually get something done, what you have to do is work with the other party. And that's what we should be seeing, but we're not. So I guess in Joe Biden's position, if he were running on what I had hoped he would for the unity portion he would have been trying to broker a deal, right? Find more moderate policies that he can get more people on board with and actually do something. But what we've seen is that that's not the case, right? The the infrastructure package was relatively uncontroversial, which is why it passed, although by a slim margin. But when we looked at like the Build Back Better agenda, it didn't pass. Why? Because it was going against pretty much everything that the Republicans had promised their constituents. And honestly, even when you take the polls of the voters, it was wildly unpopular. So, you know, but they still tried to push that through tilting towards the far left side of their base, right? Like the AOC, uh, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, like their agenda. Yes, the squad, their agenda, rather than even going with what the majority of their party wanted. And so unifying there should have been brokering, brokering a deal. To me, if I had to say he's taken option B, and what's behind door number two there is I unify you because I remove all other options from you and or I completely just... Push you into submission to where you just don't speak out, or you don't, or you know, or or you you go along with me by force. One of the two, and I feel like he's tried to take that approach, although unsuccessfully. What do the you think about that? you are talking Sorry? about the force approach. Is that what you just? Yeah, just just forcing them into so uh, Emperor Palpatine style. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That is Justin Trudeau. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's true. He hasn't got that far yet. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like I said, I
0: think... We haven't seen emergency uh, powers evoked in the U.S. yet, thank goodness. Not
1: yet, but we'll see how this uh, tricker convoy takes, how that plays out. I mean, he's already trying to get the National Guard to come back up to D.C., which my governor, Rob DeSantis, love you, my man. Uh, by the way, <laughs> you can see that flag. Don't tread Florida. He already told the Biden administration that he's not sending our National Guard members up there. So mm. uh, <laughs> um, I definitely think he's def- definitely... A, taking that I'm going to it's my way of the highway approach. With that said though, uh, there is some speculation even among the conservative echo chambers in particular as far as is he actually running the country right now? Um, so is he the one is actually making these decisions or is someone else behind closed doors making these decisions which uh, I really don't know. I don't have direct evidence. I have my speculations which that's what my show is all about. So if you want to check that show out, Taboo Topic, that's where you go from that. But the more conspiracy theories, you know, that's what, that gets more laid out. But definitely, though, I definitely think, like I said earlier, uh, especially when the American people have been very vocal about their opposition to some of these measures and policies, the response of the administration has been very obtuse to the American people's uh, concerns. So uh, hopefully, uh, like I said, at least for the election this year, it's going to be a red tsunami, I think. As a result, could be wrong.
0: Well, I have us at 8 o'clock, and I don't see uh, them starting yet, so I don't know. To be fair, they never start on time. That's true. (laughs) No, government never does anything on time. You know, they're like, hey, we'll have this done by (laughs) this data, and guess what? Uh, Oh, we meant two years from now. I don't know why you thought, you know, even though we said it would be done this year. (laughs) Oh, two weeks from that? No, two weeks government time. That's what we really meant, all right? That'd be two (laughs)
1: years. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I don't know. I'm honestly, I think even with Donald Trump's day of the union addresses, I didn't really uh, pay much attention to it, and so this is going to be interesting now that I actually have someone to watch it with, and it's kind of a hobby as far as I'm into politics and talking about politics. So yeah. I'm very curious to see how this is going to play out with Joe Biden. Actually, if you're listening to this, or you or if you could see me right now, I actually have a notepad and pencil right now ready to write <laughs> that <notes>. was
0: <laughs> i don't know if there was supposed to be anything written on there but i couldn't see it because like the light was like kind of blinding it just looked like a white page <laughs>
1: it's a, it was a white page you're not your eyes are not going crazy okay
0: okay good just good trust good. your eyes man trust your eyes <laughs> i was like that looks like my skin when the sun hits it in the summer it just you know, <laughs> blinds everybody my yeah. Uh... If you are watching us watch this address live, please feel free to drop your comments and give us points of discussion. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'm seeing if they're, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to watch it from the whitehouse.gov page, which, you know, that's, that's where it's supposed to be streaming from. But uh, who knows? I, I don't know that I can really put my trust in a government-run website, you know, as, as being able to actually run what it's supposed to either. Uh, let me try another site. Yeah, Ken. Up. Any other? while I try to do that. Any other like main thoughts that you've got on where this might go, strategies, what we might see covered? I mean,
1: what you may call it. I mean, there's a whole trucker convoy coming up, and I think that by itself is already added to the plate to the situation of Joe Biden, what he has to handle. And I think you actually brought up a good point with Afghanistan, in particular what happened last year, that whole debacle, which that affected me as someone who was deployed there that affected me a lot more than i anticipated because i was there obviously and when i left there was a much different place than what i saw on tv and the uh, and in particular that really showed the weakness of the administration where we and the incompetence actually as well and that's the difference i think that people also saw between uh, within the last year someone who is a non-politician Donald Trump and then someone who is a career politician and we saw and we also so we got to see that stark contrast as far as how things were run, how things were accomplished and how efficient government was when a non-politician is in office versus a career politician, which that's what Joe Biden is. He's a career politician. And so that is also another distinction that Americans got to see within the last year. So um, none of that plays into his favor and the Democrats as well. And actually, I'll even go as far as to say the primaries, with the primaries coming up as well, that's going to put some Republicans in a bad spot who do not back Donald Trump 100% at least, or at least 90 to 80%, especially those who probably voted to impeach him after the January 6th situation, like Liz Cheney, for example, or Mitt Romney. Uh, So it's not even just about the Democrats, really. It's just anybody who they feel as though... Uh, has pretty much sold their souls to the globalist agenda if you will and I know this now I'm talking like I'm talking back on my show again but <laughs> um, that's definitely the American people will also take note in the upcoming elections and there's so the Democrats are not just not the only ones that they have to be uh, thinking about the Republicans that within the conservative echo chambers they're referred to as rhinos in particular Um yeah, for those who don't know
0: what a rhino is, it stands for Republican and Name Only. So basically those will be the people who they who constituents and those who are kind of like the watchdogs feel are basically running on the Republican platform, but they tend to support democratic agendas and democratic ideas.
1: So right. and the current at least the conservative base right now is definitely more with that MAGA mindset of America first. Um, It's Donald Trump's party, despite what the media tries to convey otherwise. Now, as far as the top level, there is definitely some, uh, a little civil war going on. But as far as the voters in particular, like at our level, and it sounds like you found something, but as far as at our level, it's pretty much, uh, people are pretty pro-Trump. So
0: (laughs) I'm going to see if I can actually, I mean, I heard something. Yeah. Well, it's applause. (laughs) Uh, I pulled it up on the wall street journal. Just an interesting side pet peeve of mine. Uh, (laughs) that would be the fact that, you know, your establishment media who tends to be a little bit more, uh, just a little bit. Better with their journalism, if you want to use that word. They charge for it, right? So, like, and then they wonder why people both do not trust the media and they also, you know, don't don't because, like, I'm not gonna, I don't have the money to pay, you know, fifty seven dollars for, no. you know, a a, a a subscription. Yeah. No. One wants to okay. Do that. We got this pulled up. There we go. Looks like they're about to start. There we go.
1: Glitchy.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's not me. I'm oh, calling to order.
2: President of the United
0: States. <laughs> Can you still hear if I mute my mic? Are you good on that?
1: Next, I hear you. i hey, good. That looks really empty. <laughs>
0: Well, they had, to, no, they had to to keep down the numbers, right? Because once you reach a certain threshold, then COVID can get you if they're not masked. And they need you to be able to see their faces so that when they talk about having defeated COVID, you believe them.
1: It's true. <laughs> I noticed, noticed how the, the, there's a lot of people wearing the Ukraine flag on their... Yeah, you see that?
0: Yep, yep, yep. Now, those will probably be the senators who will vote to send us to actual war. You know, just keep an eye on it. We'll see.
1: <laughs> ah, we'll see how that goes.
0: <laughs> well, the U.S. has not been doing a whole lot with our sanctions. We've actually been beat to the punch by Europe. So, good on Europe. And it's gonna be interesting to see how much credit Joe Biden tries to take because he's actually been reactionary rather than actually leading the sanctions. So he's been adjusting whatever we've been like the the whole uh, banking shutdown and stuff. That was all Europe. That was not us. And uh, the sanctions that we put out have been going out gradually. So not
1: only that, but um, is that
0: choppy Uh, on my one screen? It's clear. Is it is it actually pretty smooth or is it? It's choppy on my screen. Okay. Hmm.
1: We will get there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Am I choppy on your screen? No, you're good. It's just the
1: okay. say of the union. I will say quickly before we start, the people don't seem to have an appetite to go to war either. Members of Congress, I have the high privilege and distinct honor of presenting to you the President of the United States. Well, the audio is great. I can understand the audio just fine.
0: Okay, as long as the audio is going, then I don't really care. Um, <laughs> that'll be fine. Yeah, if I watch it on my actual computer screen, it's great. If I try to watch it on my on my feed here, it's a little choppy. You're good, and to my knowledge, I look like my stream is connecting well enough. So thank
2: you, thank you. Hopefully yeah. it's alright.
0: If my mic is on, you can double feedback. Or are they synced well enough?
2: Thank you all very much. Thank you, General. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you all very, very much. Thank you. Please. Thank you so much. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President, our First Lady and Second Gentleman, Members of Congress and the Cabinet, Justice of the Supreme Court, my fellow Americans. Last year, COVID-19 kept us apart. This year, we're finally together again. Tonight,
0: well, that's because, you know, you couldn't have Donald Trump have an audience there. I mean, I'm not going to say that it
2: wasn't Democrats, Republicans, more at risk at that time. But,
0: you know, it's, it's all about political framing. As Americans, yeah. with
2: the duty to one another, to America, to the American people, to the Constitution, and an unwavering resolve that freedom will always triumph over tyranny. <laughs> this talk shit <laughs> about
1: freedom. Thank you. The keep trash is recently about that. Now I refer to him. Okay.
2: <laughs> Six days ago, Russia's Vladimir Putin sought to shake the very foundations of the free world, thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. But he badly miscalculated. He thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead, he met with a wall of, wall of strength he never anticipated or imagined. He met the Ukrainian people. The President Zelensky, their, to every Ukrainian, their fearlessness, their courage, their determination. Literally inspires the world. Groups of citizens blocking tanks with their bodies. Everyone from students to retirees to teachers turned soldiers defending their homeland. And in this struggle, President Zelensky said in his speech to the European Parliament light will win over darkness. The Ukrainian ambassador to the United States is here tonight sitting with the First Lady. Let's each of us, if you're able to stand, stand and send an unmistakable signal to the world in Ukraine. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. She's bright, she's strong, she's resolved. Yes, we, the United States of America, stand with the Ukrainian people. Throughout our history, we've learned this lesson. When dictators do not pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos. They keep moving. And the cost, the threats to America and America to the world keeps rising. That's why the NATO alliance was created to secure peace and stability in Europe after World War II. The United States is a member along with 29 other nations. It matters. American diplomacy matters. American resolve matters. Putin's latest attack on Ukraine was premeditated and totally unprovoked. He rejected repeated, repeated efforts at diplomacy. He thought the West and NATO wouldn't respond. He thought he could divide us at home in this chamber, in this nation. He thought he could divide us in Europe as well. But Putin was wrong. We are ready. We are united. And that's what we did. We stayed united. We prepared extensively and carefully. We spent months building coalitions of other freedom-loving nations in Europe and the Americas, to, from America to the Asian and African continents to confront Putin. Like many of you, I spent countless hours unifying your, our European allies. We shared with the world in advance what we knew Putin was planning and precisely how we would try to falsify and justify his aggression. We countered Russia's lies with the truth. And now, now that he's acted, the free world is holding him accountable, along with 27 members of the European Union, including France, Germany, Italy, as well as countries like the United Kingdom, Canada, Japan, Korea, Australia, New Zealand, and many others, even Switzerland, are inflicting pain on Russia and supporting the people of Ukraine. Putin is now isolated from the world more than he has ever been. Together, <laughs> together, Together along with our allies we are right now enforcing powerful economic sanctions. We're cutting off Russia's largest banks from in the international financial system, preventing Russia's central bank from defending the Russian ruble, r- ruble, making Putin's 630 billion dollar war fund worthless. We're choking Russia's access. We're choking Russia's access to technology that will sap its economic strength and weaken its military for years to come. Tonight I say to the Russian oligarchs and the corrupt leaders who built billions of dollars off this violent regime no more. The United States. I mean it. The United States Department of Justice is assembling a dedicated task force to go after the crimes of the Russian oligarchs. We're joining with European allies to find and seize their yachts, their luxury apartments, their private jets. We're coming for your ill-begotten gains. And tonight, I'm announcing that we will join our allies in closing off American airspace to all Russian flights, further isolating Russia, and adding additional squeeze on their economy. He has no idea what's coming. The ruble has already lost 30% of its value. The Russian stock market has lost 40% of its value, and trading remains suspended. The Russian economy is reeling, and Putin alone is the one to blame. Together with our allies, we're providing support to the Ukrainians in their fight for freedom. Military assistance, economic assistance, humanitarian assistance, We're giving more than a billion dollars of direct assistance to Ukraine, and will continue to aid the Ukrainian people as they defend their country and help ease their suffering. (laughs) But let me be clear, our forces are not engaged and will not engage in the conflict with Russian forces in Ukraine. Our forces are not going to Europe to fight Ukraine, but to defend our NATO allies in the event that Putin decides to keep moving west. For that purpose, we have mobilized American ground forces, air squadrons, ship deployments, yeah, it's protect to NATO here that countries, that he including Poland, Romania, Ukraine, but he Latvia, sent Lithuania and Estonia. So, like in countries adjacent to
0: them, but not in Ukraine. The United
2: States and our allies will defend every inch of territory, also also NATO territory,
0: with the full
2: force of our collective power. Every single inch. And we're clear eyed. Ukrainians are fighting back with pure courage. But the next few days, weeks, and months will be hard on them. Putin has unleashed violence and chaos. But while he may make gains on the battlefield, he'll pay a continuing high price over the long run. And a pound of Ukrainian people, the proud, proud people, pound for pound, ready to fight with every inch of earnings they have. A pound of
0: Ukrainian people? They've known
2: 30 years of independence. (laughs) (laughs) Have repeatedly shown that that they will not tolerate anyone who tries to take their country backwards. To all Americans.
0: Take you know, their country backwards?
2: I always promised I would be.
0: Well, this is not, I'm, I'm, I'm gradually inching up towards the dumpster fire port of,
2: <laughs> <around> of my, of <laughs> my previous poll. We're not even I'm I'm taking that. robust action to make sure the pain of our sanctions is targeted Unlike President economy,
0: Biden, I'm willing to admit when I made we a mistake every and adjust.
2: Disposal to protect American <laughs> businesses and consumers. Tonight, I can announce the United States has worked with 30 other countries to release 60 million barrels of oil from reserves around the world. America will lead that effort.
0: Interesting release point there that we're going to have to get into that the Europe United States is willing to buy oil from time. foreign people but We stand not ready
2: to do more if necessary. put it out ourselves Uniting because they think that that somehow allies. solves
0: the crisis. That's
2: these just... steps will help blunt gas prices here at You're home. for sure the American people. But I know news about what's happening can seem alarming to all Americans. But I want you to know we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. When the history of this era is written, Putin's war in Ukraine will have left Russia weaker and the rest of the world stronger. Well, While- really? How? While it shouldn't. Oh my God, this is a comedy show. <laughs> While it shouldn't have taken. Well,
0: it we have to change our tag on YouTube to comedy. it good got politics now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, my now God. Everyone sees it clearly. Music from SpongeBob. We let let it see the again. unity among leaders of nations, a more unified Europe, a more unified West. We see unity among the people who are gathering in cities and large crowds around the world, even in Russia, to demonstrate their support for the people of Ukraine. In the battle between democracy and autocracies, Democracies are rising to the moment, and the world is clearly choosing the side sure of peace and policy, security. Joe. This is the real test, and it's going to take time. So let us continue to draw inspiration from the iron will of the Ukrainian people to our fellow Ukrainian Americans who forged the deep bond that connects our two nations. We stand with you. We stand with you. Putin may circle Kyiv with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. He'll never, he'll never extinguish their love Didn't of the Iranian people. And he will never, never weaken the
1: resolve of the free world. I miss it, to be honest.
0: <laughs> I think you meant Ukrainian because Iranian it's is different. completely different. Yeah. It's a little
2: bit racist. We meet that, tonight <laughs> in an America that has lived through. Two of the hardest years this nation has ever faced. The pandemic has been punishing. And so many families are living paycheck to paycheck, struggling to keep up with the rising cost of food, gas, housing, and so much more. Why, Joe? I understand, like many of you did. My dad had to leave his home in Scranton, Pennsylvania, to find work. So like many of you, I grew up in a family. When the price of food went up, it was felt throughout the family. It had an impact. That's when one of the first things I did See, as president—he came out like this—and came out a politician. Plan because people were hurting, we needed to act, and we did. Few pieces of legislation don't have done more at a critical moment in our history to lift us out of a crisis. It fueled our efforts to vaccinate the nation and combat COVID-19. Delivered immediate economic relief to tens of millions of Americans. It helped put food on the table. Remember those long lines of cars waiting for hours just to get a box of food put in their trunk? It cut the cost of health care insurance. As my dad used to say, it gave the people just a little bit of breathing room. Unlike the $2 trillion tax cut. Hey, that 12 cents
0: that we saved for our barbecues on the 4th of July, that was the the breathing room I needed.
3: (laughs) The (laughs) American
2: Rescue Plan. Help working people and left no one behind. <laughs> Folks, It still otherwise. And it worked. It worked. <laughs> it worked. You created jobs, lots of jobs. In fact, our economy created over 6.5 million new jobs just last year. More jobs in one year than ever before in the history of the United States of America. The economy grew at a rate of 5.7 last year, the strongest growth rate in 40 years. And the first step in bringing fundamental change to our economy that hasn't worked for working people in this nation for too long. For the past 40 years, we were told that tax break for those at the top and benefits would trickle down and everyone would, el- would benefit. But that trickle down theory led to a weaker economic growth, lower wages, bigger deficits, and a widening gap between the top and everyone else in, in, in nearly a century. What do. Look, <clears throat> Vice President Harris and I ran for office, and I realized we had fundamental disagreements on this, but ran for office with a new economic vision for America. Invest in America, educate Americans, grow
0: the workforce. Invest in Build us the with our tax dollars. Thank bottom you, Joe from the
2: middle out, not from the top down. Because we know. Because we know. Is it
0: just Democrats? <laughs> because we know
2: when the middle class grows. I think a lot of Republicans refused of to come because they the were requiring that they have. Well.
0: A COVID test, and America those who used to were have the best roads, bridges, and airports didn't on think Earth. that they needed to test, and so they and kind of protested. I think our infrastructure is ranked 13th also, in the world. And uh, also, Nancy Pelosi did say she was going to be the amount of people could actually come, in the and 21st she still put it in favor of the Democrats. Don't fix it.
2: That's why it was so important to pass the bipartisan infrastructure law, and I thank my Republican friends to join to invest, rebuild America. The single biggest investment in history it was a bipartisan effort. And I want to thank the members of both parties who worked to make it happen. We're done talking about infrastructure weeks. We're now talking about an infrastructure decade. And Look, it's going to it's going to transform America put us on a path to win the economic competition of the 21st century that we face with the rest of the world, particularly China. I told Xi Jinping it's never been a good bet to bet against the American people. We'll create good jobs for millions of Americans, modernizing roads, airports, ports, waterways, all across America. And we'll do it to withstand the devastating effects of climate change and promote environmental justice. We'll build a national network of 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations. Begin to replace the poisonous lead pipes so every child, every American has clean water to drink at home and at school. I don't know if Michigan can say that right now. Provide affordable, high-speed internet for every American, rural, suburban, urban, and tribal communities. I think you were
0: muted. I didn't catch what you 4, said, 4,000
2: projects have already Affordable. been announced. Oh. Many yeah. of you have announced them in your districts. And tonight, I'm announcing that this year, we will start fixing over 65,000 miles of highway and 1,500 bridges in Hey, I can't there. afford
0: the gas to travel those highways, but by God, they'll be fixed. Folks,
2: When we use taxpayers' dollars to rebuild America, we're going to do it by buying America. <laughs> Buy American products. Support American
0: jobs. Say that again, Ken. You cut out.
2: The federal government
1: At the state,
0: spends
2: about $600 billion a year to keep this country safe and secure. There's been a law on the books for almost a century to make sure taxpayers' dollars support American jobs and businesses. Every administration, Democrat and Republican, says they'll do it. But we're actually, we're actually doing it. We'll buy America to make sure every, everything, from the deck of an aircraft carrier to the so steel the on highway guardrails, is made in America from beginning to end. All of it. All of it. <clears throat> it hot one, but folks, To compete for the jobs of the future, we also need a loving playing field with China and other competitors. That's why it's so important to pass the Bipartisan Innovation Act sitting in Congress that will make record investments in emerging technologies and American manufacturing. We used to invest almost 2% of our GDP in research and development. We don't now. Can't. China is. Let me give you one example why it's so important to pass. If you travel 20 miles east of Columbus, Ohio, you'll find 1,000 empty acres of land. It won't look like much, but if you stop and look closely, you'll see a field of dreams, the ground on which America's future will be built. That's where Intel, the American company that helped build Silicon Valley, is going to build a $20 billion semiconductor mega site. Up to eight state of the art factories in one place. If you build. 10,000 new jobs. And in those factories, the average job is about $135,000 $135, a year. Some of the most sophisticated manufacturing in the world to make con- computer chips the size of a fingertip. The power of the world in everyday lives from smartphones, technology, the, the internet, technology has yet to be invented. But that's just the beginning. Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger, who is here tonight, I don't know where Pat is. Pat, there you go. Pat, stand up.
0: You can't assume that once you get rid of jobs that are based in oil, that those automatically transfer over to green jobs. Pat. like You can't assume that those skills are going to be there. So you might have new jobs for people who have those skills, sure. And I'd argue how efficient me. You told me that new energy is going to be when it's that from tedious, but you can't just assume that these people are going to shift over in industries.
2: That would be the biggest investment in manufacturing in American history. No, I and All they're waiting for is for you to pass wow. this bill. So let's not wait any longer. Send it to my desk; I'll sign it, and we'll really take off in a big way. <laughs> <laughs> of course, right. Intel is not alone. There's something happening in America. Just look around and you'll see an amazing story, the rebirth of pride that comes from stamping products made in America, the revitalization of American manufacturing. Companies are choosing to build new factories here when just a few years ago they would have gone overseas. That's what's happening. Ford is investing $11 billion in electric vehicles, creating 11,000 jobs across the country. GM is making the and largest. How many investments do we lose when history? you cut down the $7 Keystone dollars. pipeline and ship you those know, over America to Nord Stream too? Creating 4,000 jobs oh, in oh, oh, sorry, we don't talk about that. Never All told, 369,000 new manufacturing jobs were created in America Honestly, last year alone. The crisis. And folks. Powered by people I've met like Jojo Burgess, from generations of Union Steelworkers in Pittsburgh, who's here tonight. Where are you, Jojo? There you go. Thanks, buddy. As Ohio, as Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown says, And Sherrod Brown says it's time to bury the label Rust Bell. It's time to see the, the what used to be called the rust belt become the, 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 the whole world world of thought. Of the, <laughs> significant resurgence of manufacturing. And with all the bright spots in our economy, record job growth, higher wages, too many families are struggling to keep up with their bills. Inflation is robbing them of gains they thought otherwise they would be able to feel. I get it. Who's responsible? That's why my top priority is getting prices under control. Look, our economy roared back faster than almost anyone predicted, but the pandemic meant that businesses had a hard time hiring enough people because of the pandemic to keep up production in their factories.
1: You incentivize people to stay at home. didn't have
2: people making those beams that went into buildings because they were out. The factory was closed. The panic also disrupted the global supply chain. Factories closed. When that happens, it takes longer to make goods and get them to the warehouses, to the stores, and go, prices go up. Look at cars last year. One-third of all the inflation was because of automobile sales. There weren't no, was it wasn't because of that. No no, 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 well, no. Hold on. Buy.
0: Hold on. And guess That's what? the indicator that we gone up in inflation is that used Especially automobiles used have gone up higher well. than usual.
2: But, and so we have a
0: choice. If I was CNN, I'd be shutting off the president right now because I just can't bear to America's listen poor. to the BS that he's spewing. This is I think I have a better ridiculous. idea to
2: fight inflation.
0: Lower your cost, not your wages.
1: I would take a you
0: both Lower cost, not your wages. You did both. Congratulations. And you lowered the amount of jobs. That means make
2: <laughs> more cars and semiconductors in America. More infrastructure and innovation in America. More goods moving faster and cheaper in America. Cheaper than, More than what? Jobs Last summer? A good Two years in ago? America. All sense. Instead of All relying on foreign supply chains, let's make it in America. Oh, wait, sorry.
0: You got to back up three weeks ago and then Look, compare it to now. That, that's how we say that they're cheaper. Economists. Except for, you know, Ukraine messed that up because when they went in there, everything went back up. They're the reason we're in a supply chain issue right now. Shouldn't they be taking a knee? Like, I feel like they just kind of swapped. You know, like, I, I feel like... All this
2: increasing oh, yeah, I like a, the, capacity in our, our economy. I call it...
0: We cheer the U.S. sending America. out jobs and reducing unemployment. <laughs> we can't... My plan we can't cheer when we actually had lower inflation.
2: We'll lower your costs and lower the deficit. 17 Nobel laureates in economics said my plan will ease long-term inflationary pressures top business leaders Ooh. and i believe most americans support the plan and you said
0: that your Here's inflation wasn't here to stay i don't First. know why they would have said that cut the cost you said it prescription wasn't going to be a drugs. thing we pay Can more watch that paper because when nancy Pelosi turns it drug up at the end you're going to want to remember what it looks like beforehand in yeah. america
2: and any other country in the world just look at insulin one in 10 americans has diabetes Virginia, I'm at a 13-year-old boy.
0: Oh, oh, oh okay. Three. So yeah, you signed into law David. or you—you you, he tore up the executive order that Trump passed that lowered diabetes. Oh, they shoved one diabetes. it in. To the infrastructure package that then they it could say that Republicans have increased the price of insulin. This their fault. He has the audacity it's to have a child who has diabetes in there. there so that he can sure. then That's tell us that, we're, that, it's that, it's that it's the it's Republican policy yeah. Oh man, Some this is
2: mm. charge families like Joshua. Ooh, and his right. dad, I spoke with Joshua's mom. Imagine what it's like to look at your child who needs insulin to stay healthy and have imagine no what, idea how in God's name would you're going to be able to pay for i voted for
0: Joe Biden.
2: <laughs> what it does to your family, but what it does to your Joe, Joe Biden is explicitly you're the reason insulin today
0: in is as expensive as be it is. Parent. You because Trump be. set a limit on what it could about be about at like that. $17, $13, and he tore up that, you know, that executive order. So make no mistake, Joshua's if you are struggling with insulin costs, it is because of him and the Democratic Party trying to use it as a political Joshua. And how dare... They have him in the room trying to use him people with for that. That's, mm, that's so. infuriating. Let's
2: cap the cost of insulin at $35 a month. <laughs> so <laughs> everyone can afford it. Like and drug industry. companies will do very, very well. Their profit margin. <laughs> while we're at it, I know we have great disagreements on this floor with this. Let's let Medicare negotiate the price of prescription drugs. <laughs>
0: Yes, let the people who stand to profit from higher prices negotiate the price of drugs. That's a great plan.
2: Set the price for VA drugs. Look, I'm glad he brought up the the VA because that's the government-run system and it's abysmal.
0: Yeah, and how's your treatment? Let's
2: close the coverage gap and make these savings permanent. Second... Call, Let's cut energy costs yeah. for families. An average of 500 dollars a year by combating climate change. Let's provide an investment tax credits to weatherize your home and your business, to be energy efficient and get a tax credit for it. Double America's clean energy production in solar, wind and so much more. Lower the price of electric vehicles saving another 80 dollars a month that you're not going to have to pay at the pump.
0: <laughs> Folks, <laughs> you are difficult to Third. Uh, Sweet. No, shh, you can't point that out, Ken. The third thing we can do to change. You also can't point out the fact that you need coal and costs. other unclean energy sources to power care. the charging for those things. Shut the cost can't. of childcare. You
2: <laughs> Folks, if you live in a major city in America, you pay up to $14,000 a year for childcare per child. I was a single dad for five years, raising two kids. I had a lot of help, though. I had a mom, a dad, a brother, and a sister that really helped. But middle class and working folks shouldn't have to pay more than 7% of their income to care for the young children. My plan, my plan would cut the cost
0: of childcare and half for most families. That's actually important because we actually pay for that through taxes and it, and it parents, actually puts these families in a worse position. We'll need to touch the pandemic on pandemic Because
2: they couldn't afford childcare to be able to get back to work, generating economic growth. But my plan doesn't stop there. It also includes home and long-term care, more affordable housing. 3K for three and four-year-olds. <laughs> All these will lower costs for families. You when you do Under my well. plan, okay. nobody. Let me say this again. Nobody earning less than four hundred thousand dollars a year will pay an additional penny in new taxes. Not a single really? penny. I said that before,
0: and that's terrible. already <laughs> been false.
2: I may be wrong. but My You're guess right is right that we right. took a secret ballot in this floor that we'd all agree that the present tax system ain't fair.
0: It's not we because wealthy pay it. the I, most in taxes. I'm not
2: looking to punish anybody. No, Let's make corporations is and wealthy Americans start tax paying their fair share. Put in Look, in last year, last year, like Chris Coons and Tom Carper and my distinguished congresswoman, we come from the land of corporate America. There are more corporations incorporated in America than every other state in America combined. I can tell us how I, I still about 36 are. years in a row. The point is, even they understand they should pay just a fair share. Last year, 55 of the Fortune 500 companies earned 40 billion dollars in profit and paid zero
1: in taxes. Paid like a hell lot of tax Look,
0: year? it's not fair. That's why I it depends on the type the of taxes you're talking about because uh, the reason the wealthy don't pay taxes is because it's We've not got- income it's actually it, and it, that's it's why going I, to be something the else. G7, right? So, like if you've got your passive income in stocks, that's together, not classified as income, so it's not going to be taxed.
2: 130 countries. So, like, of course, when these countries are
0: evaluated at $48 billion, so dollars, can't they're get not out paying, paying their taxes on that because it's their not money that comes in. And, in and I'm not sure which one he's talking about, but that would actually be more like your net worth, which is not going to be taxed. That's why I propose a loophole for very
2: wealthy who don't pay a lower tax rate than a teacher and a firefighter. So, that's my plan, but we have going go more detail later. I'm going to grow — we will grow the economy, lower the cost of families. So, what are we waiting for? Let's get this done. We all know we've got to make changes. (laughs) Folks — and while you're at it, confirm my nominees for the Federal Reserve, which plays a critical role a In inflation, it, It's on the color of their skin. My plan will not only lower cost... No, the nominees for the a Reserve shot. is the
0: person who wants to we'll nationalize the, the banks and make it so that the they don't have administration
2: uh, not only private ballooned banking. The ...deficit with those tax cuts for the very wealthy... Corporations. Oh, yeah, yeah. it it I don't remember her name, but she's very
0: much in favor of, like, government-controlled banking systems, a centralized banking system, which would put the Federal Reserve in charge of everything, which means that they can actually, like, artificially inflate and deflate deflate it at a moment's notice even more than they already can, which would put people—it would destabilize the banking system. That's what they want. She said that's what she wants. And we're going to go (laughs) after the criminals who stole
2: billions of relief money meant for small business and millions of Americans. Tonight, I'm announcing that the Justice Department will soon name a chief prosecutor for pandemic fraud.
0: Why are we paying more tax dollars on a bloated Look, salary for something that doesn't need to exist? Fraud on a... What is pandemic fraud? What is that?
2: I think we all agree. Thank you. By the end of this year, the debt on. will be down to less than half of what it was before I took office the only president ever to cut the deficit by more than $1 trillion in a single year. Lowering your cost also meant demanding you more You increase the spending limit. Of course you but have a higher credit to debt limit. Capitalism capitalism. without competition is exploitation. It drives up profits.
1: I think it's talking about socialism. That's what you mean, right? The <laughs> corporations have to compete or is that something that's what's keeping
2: my them up? profits go up and your prices go up when they don't have to compete. Small businesses and family farmers and ranchers, I need not tell some of my Republican friends from those states. Guess what? You got four basic meatpacking facilities. That's it. You play with them, or you don't get to play at all. And you pay a hell of a lot more. A hell of a lot more because there's only four. See what's happening with ocean carriers. <clears throat> Moving I love goods the idea here
0: that these During corporations the pandemic, suddenly got greedy when he got into half office. A it's not because of poor economic policy It's because they raised, suddenly prices decided prices to get greedy.
2: 1,000% and made record profits. Tonight, I'm announcing a crackdown on those companies overcharging American businesses and consumers.
0: And folks, give me a paper to rip up here. <laughs>
2: And as Wall Street friends take over up. more nursing homes, quality in those homes has gone down and costs have gone up. That ends on my watch. No, it Medicators started on your watch, Joe. Higher standards for nursing homes and make sure your loved ones get the care they deserve and that they inspect and they will look at closely. We're also going to cut costs to keep the economy going strong and give workers a fair shot. Provide more training and apprenticeships, higher then, based on skills, not just their degrees. Let's pass the Paycheck Fairness Act and pay leave. Right. Raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour and extend the child tax credit so no one has to raise the family Oh, he's, he's
0: back to the $15 and an hour. Oh, so those of you who voted cars him for that, HBCU. don't worry, he'll get around to it eventually.
2: Maybe and and a second term. And what Jill, our first lady who teaches full time, calls America's best kept secret community colleges. Look, let's pass the PRO Act. When a majority of workers want to form a union, they shouldn't be able to be stopped. When we invest in our workers and we build an economy from the bottom up and the middle out together, we can do something we haven't done in a long time. We've a better America. For more than two years, COVID has impacted every decision in our lives.
1: No, doesn't the, the government you're telling people you cannot. And I know you're tired. The reason why while we're having economic hardships, the truckers count. don't
0: count as blue-collar workers people, who need to be protected. No, you can't. It's because table. they're protesting they're the government. Now they don't count.
2: Because they lost somebody. But I also know this: because of the progress we've made, because of your resilience, and the tools that we have been provided by this Congress. Tonight, I can say we're moving forward safely, back to more normal routines. We've reached a new moment in the fight against COVID-19, where severe cases are down to a level not seen since July of last year. Just a few days ago, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention issued a new mask guideline. Just a few days ago. Isn't that that crazy? Just a few days ago. And most of the country can now go mask-free. And based on projections oh, based okay. on projections, <laughs> oh, more we of the country will reach a point for. across that point across the next couple of weeks. And thanks to the progress we've made in the past year, COVID nineteen no longer need control our lives. I know some are talking about living with COVID
1: nineteen. You can actually Tonight, the rest
2: I say of that. that we COVID can't control your life now, guys COVID nineteen. Just we'll
1: don't, continue don't let to it control it. the
2: virus as we do other diseases. And because this virus mutates and spreads, we have to stay on guard. And here are four common sense steps as we move forward safely, in my view. First, stay protected with vaccines and treatments. We know how incredibly effective vaccines are. If you're vaccinated and boosted, you have the highest degree of protection. We'll never give up on vaccinating more Americans.
1: hospitalizations right now. now.
2: I know parents with kids under five are eager to see their vaccines authorized for their children. Scientists are working hard to get that done. We'll be ready with plenty of vaccines if it's and when they do. Against
1: the vaccine We're already. Vaccinated. Are you serious? We are also ready Fun fact on the, the vaccines actually, treatments. a
0: recent study that just came out says if that when it was on 19, the children, the, like the studies on the chances children, chances it was no more than, than like 11% uh, effective on them, which means I've that actually they are more naturally protected against has. it with their natural state than the vaccine. Pfizer's working
2: overtime to get us a million pills this month. And more than right. double that next month.
0: I'm gonna get us and banned from this street. <laughs>
2: initiative.
0: So people can get tested at the pharmacy. It's not me. <laughs> Maybe I should read the report. The yeah. Although I could get kicked for that on too. the spot
2: at no cost. <laughs> <And> folks, <laughs> if you in mo- If you're immunocompromised, or have some other vulnerability we have treatments and free, high-quality masks. We're leaving no one behind or ignoring anyone's needs as we move forward. On testing, we've made hundreds of millions of tests available, and you can order them for free to your doorstep. And we've already ordered free tests. If you've already ordered free tests tonight, I'm announcing you can order another group of tests. COVID, Go to covidtest.gov starting next week, and you can get more tests. Second, we must prepare for new variants. Over the past, we've gotten much better at detecting new variants. Hey, those new variants if will come up once Republicans we're able take to control. develop Don't new vaccines worry. in 100 days instead of maybe months or years. And if Congress provides the funds we need, we'll have new stockpiles of tests, masks, pills ready if needed. I can't promise a new variant won't come, but I can I promise you we'll do everything within our power to be ready if it does.
1: Third. What happens if there's no real plan, Joe? You can end the shutdown of schools and they businesses. he just say that, like, in December?
2: Indeed. It's time for America to get back to work and fill our great downtowns again with people. People working from home can feel safe and begin to return to their offices. We're doing Why that here in the federal safe
0: government. Unless you you're, you're totally workers once again if work if you're vaccinated. Our
2: schools are open. Let's keep it that way. Our kids
0: need to be in school.
1: Yes, Not they inside there,
0: dumbass. stop colluding with the, the teachers' unions that are keeping the kids out. The teachers' unions fund the Democratic Party who create policies that then keep the kids out of school. And they're going to sit here and tell us that they need to get back to school. We've known that.
2: And hospitalizations down by 77%. Most Americans can remove their masks and stay in the classroom move forward safely. Mm. We achieved this because we provided free vaccines, treatments, tests, and masks.
0: And because of, course, the of Omicron, which wrecked money. the population not and gave people CEO who weren't vaccinated natural immunity. We,
2: I'm going to soon send a request to Congress. The vast majority of Americans have used these tools and may want again. We may need them again. So I expect Congress, and I hope you'll pass that quickly.
0: Man, course, I need something stronger than this continue coffee. Continue
2: vaccinating the world. We've sent 475 million vaccine doses to 112 countries, more than any nation on earth. We won't stop. Because you can't build a wall high enough to keep out. Oh, 80, wall, he's racist. 80 Hold 80 on. Vaccine can stop the spread of these diseases.
1: Is he going to talk about the immigration? You know, we've
2: lost so much in COVID-19. Let's talk about COVID still. Time with one another. The worst of all, the much loss of well, remember life.
1: Remember, according Kamal Harris, the reason why there's Let's a serious
2: moment to reset. Climate change. So stop looking at COVID as a partisan dividing line. See it for what Turn it
1: is—a
2: god awful disease. Let's stop each, seeing each other as enemies. Let's start seeing each other for who we are, fellow. Superior, there's, the, there's the
0: unity we were looking for. Now, stop seeing us as the enemy. I know that we are the ones who have put you in the situation, but we are not against you.
1: So, freedom of choice, is that what we're promoting now, Joe? We, you agree, finally, right?
2: We can't change how divided we've been. There's a long time in coming. but We can change how to move forward. Oh, With my COVID-19 God. COVID-19 and other issues that we must face together. I recently visited New York City Police Department days after the funerals of Officer Wilbur Mora and his partner, Officer Jason Rivera. They were responding to a 911 call when a man shot and killed them with a stolen gun. Officer Mora was 27 years old, Officer Rivera was 22 years old, both Dominican-Americans who grew up in the same streets that they later chose to to, uh, patrol as police officers. I spoke with their families, and I told them that we are forever in debt for their sacrifices and will carry on their mission to restore the trust and safety every community deserves. Like some of you that have been around for a while, I've worked with you on these issues for a long time. I know it works investigating crime prevention and community policing, cops who walk the beat, who know the neighborhood, and who can restore trust and safety. Let's not abandon our streets or choose between safety and equal justice. Let's come together and protect our communities, restore trust, and hold law enforcement accountable. That's why the Justice Department has required body cameras, banned chokeholds, and restricted no-knocks warrants for its officers. That's why the American Rescue Plan that you all provided $350 billion that cities, states, and counties can use to hire more police, invest in more proven strategies. Proven strategies like Proven strategies like community violence interruption, trusted messengers breaking the cycle of violence and trauma, giving young people some hope. We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police, it's to fund the police. Fund them. That's a 180. Fund them. Woo, I got a whiplash here. Probably right, can agree on something, Joe. Fund them with resources and training. Resources and training they need to protect our community. I ask Democrats and Republicans alike to pass my budget and keep our neighborhoods safe. And we'll do everything in my power to crack down on gun trafficking, of ghost guns, that you can buy online, assemble at home, no serial numbers, can't be traced. I asked Congress to pass proven measures to reduce gun violence. And
0: how many of those guns are pass actually linked to universal background Why to should other anyone on the terrorist be list be
1: able to purchase a weapon? Why? Why? How have the gun controls measures worked out for us?
0: Uh, 0% beneficial.
2: Man, assault weapons with high capacity magazines hold up to 100 rounds.
0: Okay, first of all, you don't understand...
2: You're wearing Kevlar vests?
0: Oh, my God. 100 rounds. No, there are not guns with 100 rounds that are are very common. Yeah, they can happen, but anyone who's good with a weapon doesn't want 100 rounds because it's (laughs) heavy as hell. Don't you worry, 137 rounds a second is what they say some of those guns can get out, so... These
2: laws don't infringe on the Second Amendment. They save lives. First of all, they do infringe (laughs) on the Second Amendment. Second of all, they don't save lives because your policies are not
0: linked to that.
2: And look... It's under assault.
0: Second Amendment is under
2: state, assault. we agree on something. Not only suppress the vote, we've been there before, but to suppress well, here we go, I'm now. You can't <laughs> let this happen. Tonight I call on the Senate to pass, pass the Freedom of the Vote Act, pass the John Lewis Act, Voting Rights sure, Act. Let's
1: make this country a free country now. Well, you're
2: at it. All
1: the problems are made. the, it's the it's been, Act so it, Americans
2: know I, I, who's funding I, I, our elections. Look. Tonight, I'd I'd like to honor someone who dedicated his life to serve this country. Justice Breyer, an Army veteran, constitutional scholar, retiring justice of the United States Supreme Court. That you all forced to retire. Thank you for your service. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean it. Get up. Stand up and see you. Thank you. And we all know, no matter what your ideology, we all know one of the most serious constitutional responsibilities a president has is nominating someone to serve on the United States Supreme Court. As I did four days ago, I've nominated the Circuit Court of Appeals
1: at Tanji Brown Jackson,
2: yep. one of our nation's top legal minds We'll continue in Justice Breyer's legacy of excellence. A former top litigator in private practice, a former federal public defender, from a family of public school educators and police officers. She's a consensus builder. Since she's been nominated, she's received a broad range of support, including the Fraternal Order of Police and former judges supported by Democrats and Republicans. Folks, if we are to advance liberty and justice, we need to secure our border and fix the immigration system.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. But you did not do that. That's only nothing the greatest influx since he's been in office. Finish the wall then, Joe. Wow. Four wow. like
2: 180 the it there. Holy cow. you might guess, I think we can do both. At our border, wow. we've installed and new technology like cutting-edge to better detect drug smuggling. We've set up joint patrols in Mexico and Guatemala to catch more human traffickers. We're putting in place dedicated immigration judges and significant large. Oh, so numbers. you're putting back so in place what Trump had, had in, in, place. in place. Interesting, oh, because I thought that was racist. Whoa, those, I thought that was racist. Hold on a second.
0: Wait right a, a minute. minute. I thought coyotes it's didn't you know, exist.
2: Supporting partners. I, I didn't think sex trafficking existed, to according to their
0: last round of politicians. keeping lit the torch of liberty. of Spanish. My
2: forebears and many of yours. Provide a pathway to citizenship for dreamers, those with temporary status, farm workers, essential workers. Revise our laws so businesses have workers they need and families don't wait decades Did, you, did you say
0: that the workers, the right that the businesses, businesses need workers, which is why we do. need to
2: That's why the immigration give reform is dreamers everyone, and from labor those religious leaders others to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce? let's get it done once and for all folks advancing liberty and justice also requires protecting the rights of women the constitutional right affirmed by roe v wade standing precedent for half a century is under attack has never been Ooh,
1: we're going to if want to to go forward not
2: backwards we must protect access to health care preserve a woman's right to choose and continue to advance maternal health care for all Americans. Abort does not health care.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say those. You know, you can claim for one and claim for the other, but you can't do for both there.
2: LGBTQ plus Americans, let's finally get the bipartisan Equality Act to my desk. <laughs> the onslaught of state laws targeting transgender Americans and their families—it's simply wrong. Going after the. I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God given potential. Folks, as I've. He doesn't understand those bills because the bills that have been passed the prevent the discussion agree. of
0: sexual orientation and sexual and identity. That, for we, we do preschool through third we graders as a part of the curriculum,
2: I signed like, 80 bipartisan bills that does bills not in the law interfere with your ability to be from successful. preventing like, government shutdowns, protecting Asian Americans from still too common hate crimes, reforming military justice, and will soon be strengthening the Violence Against Women Act that I first wrote three decades ago. It's important. I don't have any more notes I can take. It's important <laughs> for us to show. We're going to
0: be here till midnight. To show the
2: nation. We can come together and do big things. So tonight I'm offering a unity agenda for the nation. Four big things we can do together in my view. Unity, take it or leave it. First, beat the opioid epidemic. <laughs> There's so much we can do. Increase funding for prevention, treatment, Oh, this is where we recovery. give them the crack pipes and the safe spaces to be able to use their drugs and, and without and interference and per- supervision. prescribing treatment. right. Stop the flow of illicit drugs by working with state and local law enforcement to go after the traffickers. And if you're suffering from addiction, you know, a large you know, chunk you of know those, you're not alone. Those I have drug
0: drug dealers this bringing them from the 23 Southern border, especially fentanyl,
2: 23 and million we Americans in recovery the Second. southern
0: border's ability to, be able to prevent coming in so you know once and they the get in here it's, it's a little too late Joe.
2: lives and education have been turned upside down the american rescue plan gave schools money to hire teachers and help students make up for lost learning i urge every parent to make sure your school your school does just that they have the money we can all play a part
0: Sign up we to might have crippled them, mentor. but by God, you're going to use children your taxpayer dollars struggling to fix before it for
2: the pandemic bullying violence trauma and the harms of social media as Francis Haugen who is here tonight with us has shown We must hold social media platforms accountable for the national experiment. They're conducting on our children for profit <laughs> yeah. Folks Thank you. Thank you for the courage you showed. It's time to strengthen privacy protections. Ban targeted advertising to children. Demand tech companies stop collecting personal data on our children. And let's get all Americans the mental health services they need. More people can turn for help and full parity between physical and mental health care if we treat it that way in our insurance.
1: And no more critical history, right?
2: Look, the third piece of that agenda is support our veterans. Yeah. Veterans are the backbone and the spine of this country. They're the best of us. I've always believed that we have a sacred obligation to equip those we send to war and care for those and their family when they come home. My administration providing assistance and job training, housing, and now helping lower income veterans get VA care debt free. And our troops in Iraq and faced in Afghanistan face many dangers. One being stationed at bases, breathing in toxic smoke. What about, or about
1: the still behind are still there in Afghanistan?
2: Many of you have been there. I've been in and out of Iraq and Afghanistan over 40 times. These burn pits that incinerate waste, the waste of war, medical and hazardous material, jet fuel, and so much more. And they come home, many of the world's fittest and best trained warriors in the world. Never the same. Headaches, numbness, dizziness. A cancer that would put them in a flag draped coffin. I know. One of those, one oh, who of those said soldiers that? was my son, Major Bo Biden. What did they say? I don't know for sure if the burn pit that he I lived in is Who
1: made the comment? Iraq ther- and, of and game
2: that, in Kosovo, is the cause of his brain cancer and the disease of so many other troops.
1: That's great. But I am committed
2: say, to find out everything we can. Committed to military families like Danielle Robinson from Ohio, the widow of Sergeant First Class Heath Robinson. He was born a soldier, Army National Guard, combat medic in Kosovo and Iraq, stationed near Baghdad just yards from burn pits the size of football fields. Danielle is here with us tonight. They love going to Ohio State football games. And he loved building Legos with their daughter. But cancer, from prolonged exposure to burn pits, ravaged Heath's lungs and body. Danielle says Heath was a fighter to the very end. He didn't know how to stop fighting. And neither did she. Through her pain, she found purpose to demand that we do better. Tonight, Danielle, we are going to do better. The VA... The VA is firing new ways of linking toxic exposure to disease, already helping more veterans get benefits. And tonight I'm announcing we're expanding eligibility to veterans suffering from nine respiratory cancers. I'm also calling on Congress to pass a law to make sure veterans devastated by toxic exposure in Iraq and Afghanistan finally get the benefits and the comprehensive health care they deserve.
0: actually get them the benefits i wouldn't have a problem with that except a lot of times they don't actually give the funding that they need to get them the care that they need and so that's why i would take issue with that but last let's end
2: cancer as we know it this is personal This is personal to me, to Jill, and to Kamala, and so many of you. So many of you have lost someone you love, husband, wife, son, daughter, mom, dad. Cancer is the number two cause of death in America, second only to heart disease. Last month, I announced the plan to supercharge the cancer moonshot that President Obama asked me to lead six years ago. Our goal is to cut cancer death rates by at least 50% over the next 25 years. I think we can do better than that. Turn cancers from death sentences into treatable diseases. More support for patients and their families. To get there, I call on Congress to fund what I call ARPA-H, Advanced advanced Research Projects Agency for Health, patterned after DARPA in the Defense Department, projects that led in DARPA to the Internet, GPS, and so much more that make our forces more safer and be able to wage war more with more clarity. ARPA will have a singular purpose to drive breakthroughs in cancer, Alzheimer's and diabetes and more. A unity agenda for the nation. We can do these things. It's within our power. And I don't see a partisan edge to any one of those four things. My fellow Americans, tonight. We've gathered in this sacred space a citadel of democracy. In this capital, generation after generation, of Americans have debated great questions amid great strife and have done great things. We fought for freedom, expanded liberty, debated totalitarianism and terror. We built the strongest, freest, and most prosperous nation the world has ever known. Now is the hour, our moment of responsibility, our test of resolve and conscience of history itself. It is in this moment that our character of this generation is formed. Our purpose is found. Our future is forged. Well, I know this nation. We'll meet the test, protect freedom and liberty, expand fairness and opportunity. And we will save democracy. As hard as those times have been, I'm more optimistic about America today than I've been my whole life. Because I see the future that's within our grasp. Because I know there's simply nothing beyond our our capacity. We're the only nation on earth that has always turned every crisis we faced into an opportunity. The only nation that can be defined by a single word, possibilities. So on this night, On our 245th year as a nation, I've come to report on the state of the nation, the state of the union. And my report is this, the state of the union is strong because you, the American people, are strong. We are stronger today. We are stronger today than we were a year ago. And we'll be stronger a year from now than we are today. This is our moment to meet and overcome the challenges of our time and we will as one people one america the united states of america let's go god you all, and may god protect our troops thank you go get him
1: all right it's over thank god <laughs> Oh out I'm assuming your vote's gonna change to a dumpster
0: fire. I I don't know that I'd go with a dumpster fire. I I mean the presentation itself was not terrible. I think there was a lot of things that got kind of messed up in there and like a lot of the language you could kinda tell. Um, I have a lot of fact-check problems with it, but I i, I mean, it was, it was meh. I mean, it was fine. I, I, I'm, I'm between meh and dumpster fire. <laughs> what about you? Uh,
1: I'm still at a dumpster fire. Um, okay. I will agree with you as far as the presentation aspect was okay. It was like a typical politician bureaucratic. Right. But as far as the things that are coming out of his mouth, I think I would agree with you. Fact-checking, there's a lot of... I wouldn't even call it fact-checking. I would say reality checks. Um, sure. yeah, same thing. Same, sure. same
0: thing in this. Sense. I mean, there, there's a certain degree where they're going to spin it in favor of their party, obviously. But there's a lot that is a misconception that probably needs to be touched on. Well, that's so, what
1: I'm saying. I'm just going to straight – I think it's a straight-up line.
0: Well, where, where do we want to start? Do we want to go through the speech? Do we want to, what, what do you want to do for this?
1: So I'm just gonna tablet down my notes and everything like that. I pretty much have the whole page filled out. Yep. So <laughs> I'll make it as brief as possible. But as far as to so the beginning, he obviously talked about the situation with Russia and Ukraine. And I think even with the American people in particular, there's still debate as far as who's the bad guy right now, and there's some skepticism as far as is Russia really at fault for everything. And also, as far as calling out Russia's and Putin being a dictator, I found it interesting that he failed to mention that Zelensky has also acted like a dictator during his time and rank in Ukraine, such as imprisoning journalists, who anyone who opposes against him, and political opponents as well, uh, which really, I could summarize it as just like war-mongering propaganda from what I got. Um, and then as far as, oh my gosh, just, just a lot of hypocrisy, I heard from him,
0: <laughs> I mean well let me uh, let me let, let me touch on Ukraine before I move on from that then like like my big takeaways from that was that like you know he's tried to claim a lot that we had done but in reality like I mentioned in the pre-show a, a lot of it has not been the United States a lot of it has been Europe and the European Union right. um or or NATO in, instead right so like we did not hit hard and fast enough with our sanctions like we we tried to go for uh, what's what's really more of a graduated escalation is what it's usually called, right? Like we we hit him with some sanctions, and then we we would escalate as he escalated. But Putin just went straight into Ukraine and took that over. So like the big issue with that is we didn't hit him with what we needed to. We still have not touched as the United States, to my knowledge, as of today, we didn't touch the the squeeze on the banking system. He mentioned the ruble taking a hit. That was Europe. Um, we we have not touched sanctions on the oil yet because that would jack up our prices because when president biden just he he cut any ability to to do any drilling or any fracking on federal u.s soil which means we have to send our oil overseas right like we have to import it from overseas or from another country and then he also cut out, on top of not letting there be any new contracts or renewal of any contracts, he cut off the Keystone Pipeline. And then he greenlit the Nord Stream 2, which is the one between Germany and uh, Russia or Germany and Ukraine, if I'm not mistaken, but it's a European uh, one, which has now interlaced us with Russia and Ukraine, which is why you're seeing a spike, right? And which is why you know he's appealed to his green base instead of saying in a time of war, hey, you know, guess what? We're going to have to drill because we can't be dependent on someone who just invaded another country. Right. So, like, he's, I feel like he's really trying to claim that we have successfully sanctioned Putin when, when we haven't.
1: Not only that, but I think you bring up an interesting point as far as, because during his speech, he also was trying to brag and push the idea that we should have these America first policies in particular when so far his actions has completely contradict what uh, right. like he's. The speech, such as the Keystone Pipeline being energy dependent, not independent. Right. Which I mean, and I think it's really ignorant as well to suggest. <laughs> <laughs> this is just me now, but I do think it was ignorant as well to not to take a consideration. And granted, what politician is ever going to admit that they played a role in contributing to this war, particularly the invasion right. of Russia? But. It's very ignorant to suggest that Russia is completely at fault when there's stuff on the other side, the West in particular, that they could have done to prevent this situation. Especially intervening with Ukrainians and telling them, hey, if you get rid of your nuclear weapons and everything like that, we will back you up, which so far we've left Ukrainians to defend for themselves, which, again, it's... Unfortunately, that whole situation is just like the regular Joe and Jane over there is just in the crossfires of bureaucrats being uh, incompetent, to put it nicely.
0: So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that is pretty nice. Uh, well, I mean, then he also mentioned that we're like releasing barrels of oil in the United States, which I'm assuming is coming from the reserve. That's new. I didn't hear about that before today, but like what you have to understand, and anybody who might not understand this. Um, releasing those barrels of oil is still politically motivated because he already said this one time, we'll burn through what we have in our reserve so that we can switch over to green energy. So he's not actually reducing our dependence on Russia. And it's only a temporary bandaid that honestly, like the goal is to get us through the midterms so that, you know, he doesn't want the gas prices well, not only to, that- to drive them to vote for the Republicans or other parties. Well, not only that, but it's also worth
1: mentioning that the U.S. Reserve barrels that you just mentioned that's for emergency purposes only, and it can only last up to six months at the very most. So it's not even, like you I said- I mean, if he
0: releases it all, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, I mean, he released what, like 70 million barrels of oil and it lasted a day because the United States consumes mass quantities of oil on a daily basis. And they can say these big numbers and they sound impressive. It's not actually doing anything. So like a uh, massive freaking L when it comes to the Ukraine and the gas prices part of this speech, in my opinion.
1: I would definitely agree with you on that, <laughs> and that's just. Pretty-
0: <laughs> and then I mean, it, it was interesting because, like, the American Rescue Plan was. He was like, "We left no one behind," which, first of all, isn't entirely true, right? Like, I mean, it, people were disproportionately affected from COVID to begin with, and there were people who certainly struggled who didn't qualify for assistance, and even people who did qualify for assistance is not like sending them these checks, which, by the way, started with the Trump administration, right? Like the the rescue plan. Uh, unless we're talking about like a part two did not originate with Biden. Uh, if I, if, if, if I'm remembering correctly, it started with Trump and then it transitioned over into Biden cause we've had three payments. And even those like really aren't enough to actually improve the quality of life of the people who needed it. Right. Like what really improve the quality of life was when we had the previous economy that on a, a bi-demographic basis had the lowest unemployment and the wages were worth something. And now you don't have that. So an L there too.
1: One thing worth mentioning as well, when he was talking about people needs to go back to work um, and people aren't going back to work. something along those lines, uh, he failed to mention just just a inconvenience, I should say that the government has also incentivized people to stay at home with their social welfare programs. And that's not gonna help someone to get off the couch and seek a job when their welfare checks is gonna give them more money than if, let's say, working at McDonald's, a minimum wage job, which I found it really interesting when it comes to these bureaucrats, whenever they start talking about the $15 minimum wage and everything like that, try to keep up with the cost of living they never actually talk about bringing the cost of living down, in particular. Because if you do the math with inflation, fifteen dollars an hour is actually way more than what we actually need. And not only in
0: that, but the in 15- your region, yes, that's true. Like in Florida, cost of living is lower than, say, California. In California, right. even like twenty dollars an hour isn't going to get you what you need.
1: Right, but not only that, but the fifteen dollars minimum wage and everything like that also is a federal minimum wage. It's not going to take. It's not going to affect the private sector in particular.
0: It, yeah, it won't. It won't. States can go higher than the federal minimum wage, but no, like basically it's a baseline. And I think that that is important to note. Um, also, while I'm thinking about it, you can take our follow-up poll on Twitter right now. I think we've already got like 30 responses, which is great. So yeah, tell us how you think it actually went um, on the app between the liars on Twitter. We do have a poll up there. I also just pasted that second poll link in the chat. So do that while we continue to talk. We'd love to have your feedback. Yeah. Um, and-
1: And don't forget about my Instagram poll, ladies and gentlemen, on my Kenja underscore express on Instagram. Let me know what you think of the speech and your approval rating for Joe Biden.
0: Yep. And I'm really interested to see how that that went. I'm I'm interested to see if they rate it after, like what is their approval rating as opposed to before, too. So, I mean, this is kind of shifting us now into the conversation where he got into the concept of trickle-down economics and he said it didn't work, like just flat out demonstrated he and all the other Democrats who talk like this, they do not understand how this works because they confuse several things, including the concepts of what is a fair Share of taxes, right? Because the United States actually has one of the most aggressive tax systems. It it is not as aggressive as certain, like let's say, like Denmark or like some of the other countries that have a larger social safety net. But like in modern era, the U.S. is one of the most progressive tax systems, and it disproportionately taxes the wealthy. Which, like, you know, that that's fine. But I really want to ask, what does it mean fair share, right? Because if you really use like fair share as like their meaning, it 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 just means we want you to fund whatever the hell we want you to. And you can't say anything about it. That's what they mean by fair share, right? Like we want X, Y, and Z social systems. And we don't have to report how we're going to spend the money, but you as a wealthy person need to fund it. And like, that's terrible mismanagement of money. It's terrible mismanagement of the American taxpayers' dollars.
1: And it's interesting that you say that, because when people talk about taxing the rich in particular, they're really thinking about the big names out there, like Bill Gates, like the super right. rich people the majority of the people that fall into that tax bracket is like your small business owners. And there's the no one ones- that you're talking about. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Those are the ones that are going to be most affected by these tax hikes.
0: Yes. Tax Cause they're like more middle-class like Bill Gates. If you're well, uh, you raise a very good point. If, if they are, if they're wealthy, like billionaire status, they got there for a reason. Right? So like when you passed uh, bills that are like when a company brings in X amount of money, um, Actually, there's so many things wrong with this. I can't even like I'm like malfunctioning trying to pick and stay on track. So he said $400,000 or less is not going to be taxed. Interesting fact to fund these bloated packages, what they put in the bills, and you need to know this as a voter. They said that if a company makes $400,000, they are taxed at these brackets as well. So it's not just like, oh, the CEO happens to bring home $500,000 and now he's taxed. It's actually if I as a business make $400,000, they had a bill to do that too. So know that even if that isn't out there, that is what they want because they proposed it and just didn't have the votes. And I'm pretty sure that that one died, but they proposed it as a way to fund their their social systems like the tax credits and everything else they talked about is really important because they are fudging the numbers and also just flat out fact check incorrect that the legislation they were trying to pass would not affect you if you made less than 400,000 because Ken, you're exactly right. And I'll give this back to you in just a second to, to go back to that. You're exactly right that it's the middle classes, whether it be the, the middle to lower class individuals or the businesses that are the small businesses in the middle to lower class bracket of like, as far as like what they bring in as a compared to like Amazon, because they're the ones who get pitched. Absolutely. You're correct there.
1: Yeah. I mean, are you dysfunctional? as like Joe Biden's like state of mind affecting your mind right now? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: no, I'm just. He's. It's just. It's just blowing my mind that like they just throw out this stuff, and it makes me so mad that like I, I could take three hours to unpack the BS and the 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 massacre of actual numbers that he used to get these results. Just like when they they said that the Build Back Better package was only going to cost uh, five trillion or three trillion um it was it was completely incorrect because they set up this this finagling of the data where they were like okay what if we only fund this for 1 year then of course it's going to cost 2 trillion is what they say and then, of course, they're going to renew it. So, like, it's it's going to cost us that every single year, and people don't understand that. So when he stands here and says, we should have been able to pass this, it only would have cost you $2 trillion, $3 trillion, and it would have had all these benefits, that's how he gets those numbers. And as a taxpayer, you need to understand that because if you understand that and you want to vote for it, great. But, like, they're appealing to the ignorant vote that is not aware that that's how they got those numbers. I mean, not only that, but
1: there's... It's not a coincidence that people consider inflation the people's tax for a reason, right? which it's hurting the American tax tolerance, which I find it really interesting how I was yeah. talking about. We're, we're going to bring costs down. And you brought up a good point with the whole insulin situation, right? Yep. Where Joe Biden actually, by his own merit, by his own signature, decided to revoke an executive order made signed by Trump that limited the drug companies from uh overpricing insulin. And then when that happened, the prices of insulin just skyrocketed as a result yep. because now there's no there's not that balance check and balance anymore. Yep, Except that's if, exactly right. And like you said, as far as uh, <laughs> uh let it's funny how that side in particular the Democrats on that level anyway, they preach about you know big pharma and big corporations, but yet when it comes but tonight in particular he was advocating for big pharma to negotiate with each other amongst themselves in their echo chambers with their prices which are which we call the just by the simple fact that they have the ability to negotiate amongst themselves without that competition and government intervention i should say which I don't want to sound like a total
0: socialist or anything like that, <laughs> but like the, the big issue there that you're getting at, and that's exactly correct, is that they use this as a political tool. So like you mentioned, and I mentioned earlier when he said this, he was the one who revoked President Trump's executive order that limited their ability to just jack up prices on insulin. And then what he did was he and the other Democrats shoved that into the Build Back Better agenda. And said, oh, if you all pass this, then that means that we'll be able to cap insulin prices so that when Republicans voted against it because of all the other bloat and garbage and disgustingness that was in that bill as a mass conglomerate package – then the news headlines the next day said, Republicans pounce and take advantage of, you know, they shoot down the, the insulin limitation. So go Democrats. No, 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 no. It was a Democratic president and their party who shot this down to begin with so they could have strings attached and get through what they wanted to. Absolute political ploy. Complete political garbage.
1: I think that's called goody politics, where you. <laughs> goody. Goody politics, yeah, where you tell- sell the American people or just your public, right? a certain idea. You tell them, Hey, we're going to give you this. Yeah. When who comes out and speaks out against it, then you can point to the other guys and say, see, they're the bad guys. They're trying to take this goodie away from you. You're so right. That's, that's why I call it goodie politics. Um, but thing that <laughs> Wow. There's just so many notes. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's the, the, the whole police thing, right? It yeah. Comp- 180 on that. After. Fund the police
0: is now President Biden's slogan. Fund them.
1: Yes. Not only that, especially, and I think this is kind of a response to what's it happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a response to what's happened in these bigger cities, like Minneapolis, for example, that passed measures to defund the police. Their crime rates skyrocketed and homicide rates went up and it's no longer safe to be in those neighborhoods in particular So it's ironically enough, it's their liberal policies that actually created the the destruction of their own town and city.
0: Well, Minneapolis had to pass legislation that gave effectively all of the money back to the police that they had already stripped away from them within a couple of months. Because exactly like you said, the murder rates and the violent crime rates and other just general crimes skyrocketed. Because, of course, that's what's going to happen when you strip away the police ability to do something like that.
1: Well, not only that, but I think something that again as someone who's kind of knows in the criminal justice world and trained with cops at one point um, something that doesn't get talked about a lot when it comes to fighting the police is the mental health aspect these policemen these cops they they have to respond to some very dire and shitty situations frankly that gives them ptsd and unfortunately this is kind of a jab on both sides, actually. That when it comes to funding the police, there's never any conversation about giving them the mental health resources, which gets into the military aspect. When you start talking about the VA in particular, which um, it's interesting how he's suddenly pro-military and he wants the military to get the help they need. But yep. he's to ask, But he's willing to uh, have policies in there where one, they. Because we have a mental health crisis in the veteran community right now. That's like 22, right, right. twenty-two veterans commit suicide a day. It's terrible. But um, they're allowing the whole again. It kind of gets into the whole transgender community as well. Which this goes into the whole gender dysphoria, where it is a mental health issue. But he's going to let those. He's going to let them serve and go ahead. Ha- let them have go through with their surgeries and everything like that, which is actually exploit their mental health crisis that's going on with them right now. And so it's very interesting how he's talking about suddenly cares up the health of the veteran community, but again, actions say speak louder than words. It's just mind boggling. <laughs> I can't. It's uh I don't know. I'm just baffled. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there, there was there was a lot of whiplash happening tonight I, I, well not just not just from me with like seeing this this whole 180 but like the amount of times people stood up to applaud for some of these things like every Democrat in that room stood up and applauded when he said something like fund the police right like yeah. that that that's now their Mantra because they realized guess what like I predicted coming into this episode what are we coming up on? Midterms. He actually didn't touch on COVID as much as I thought that he would. I think it's because he knew that politically for him, uh, he's probably going to alienate a lot of his Democratic base since like it's literally been if you wear a mask, if you had the vaccine, then you are the one who trusts the science and we can't provide you with any new data on why we can change this now. But, you know, you see what I'm saying here? Like it, it just it flipped their opinions on stuff. And I feel like there's a lot of people who now they're going to have a very difficult time as voters. Um, Right. Like if I was someone who uh, put a lot of uh, people are putting a lot of their identity into this stuff. And like regardless of where you fall in, there are people who who, like this is a large chunk of their identity now. And just flip like that. It can actually it has the potential to hurt the Democrats even more than they're already getting bruised in the polls. It's it's just but clearly, 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 100 percent politically motivated that they're now saying fund the police. And I guarantee you when they're pressed on it, they're probably going to say something along the lines of, Oh, well, we, we still want to delegate some of those things, but we also, you know, we don't like, they're going to try to go halfway, I think.
1: Yeah. So, another, so another, some of the things that you talked about really, it revolves around so, more social issues. So going back to the transgender particularly when you started talking about that, he's really going after the red States, like Texas in particular just passed a bill where I think child services can actually go ahead and investigate situations where the parents are giving uh, hormone blockers to children to go ahead and transition in particular. And also going after states who are passing laws where they're protecting women's sports from transgenders competing women's sports where biological men, let's keep that in mind. Um, So I think that was interesting how, again, the rhetoric makes it seem as though the Republicans are the bad guys and we're the you know, anti-science, anti-human rights
0: uh, side in particular. Yeah, Angela asked if the George Floyd bill was mentioned. No, uh, since we're kind of shifting away from the criminal policy, I wanted to touch on that. It wasn't. Um, that was surprisingly not one of the ones that was mentioned. I think it's because you can't really bring that up and then still turn around and say, fund the police, like his message was. Like, I really think he's trying to get uh the the voters on track uh to vote for democrats but like uh, going back to what you were saying ken about the uh transgender bill gross rep- misrepresentation of that bill right because there's one in florida and one in texas and they're two separate ones but the one that's been called the don't say gay bill that they passed in florida uh what that said in the bill if you've actually read it is it does not allow for the discussion of sexual orientation or sexual preference, right? So we're not going to be talking, teachers are not going to be allowed to talk about, oh, I'm I'm bisexual or I'm homosexual. Um, and they're also not going to be asking kids as a lot of these schools in like Democrat run states have been doing, well, what do you identify as And like asking them to bring up their, their gender identity? They're not going to be allowed to ask them or bring that stuff up or talk about it in preschool through third grade. Let that sink in. Preschool through third grade, teachers can't bring it up. It says nothing about anything past that. It says nothing about teachers being able to like be those things. Right. So like you can still have people who are um, either, I mean, you can transgender, like none, none of the school's policies are able to like say we can't hire those people either. Like all of, I've heard all of those things be said, false. It's yeah. strictly limited to preschool through third grade. You can't talk to these kids about it. Yeah, I mean,
1: let's also keep in mind the whole premise of the idea anyway is to keep your professional life and your private life separate. Let kids be kids. They don't need to know like who he-
0: Well, even, even even I'm actually not even worried about the the personal professional separation. I'm I'm more worried about the fact that when you are preschool through 3rd grade, that's not a time that you need to be learning about these things. Right. Uh, a, like and 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 also my my opinion on that connects to the idea that some of these Democrat-run states have had schools, so think like California, New York, Oregon, Washington, they have had schools where if a child says that they are, are anything other than like matching up with their current identity, so like if they were like, oh, like I might be, you know, maybe I, maybe I am transgender, they authorize hormone blocking and hormone changing drugs in the school, and they're not telling the parents about it. That's the other reason that Florida passed this bill is because they're not allowing teachers or the school to make that decision, which quite frankly, in my opinion, needs to be stopped. Like it, They need to prevent this from happening because if my child can't even have an aspirin without my permission as a parent, why are you allowed to give them life altering medication that they cannot reverse when you know, th- they're, they're preschool through third grade? Preschool through third grade, uh, I mean, like that—that's that's the issue there.
1: Yeah, you are right. Um, Let's <laughs> also, I mean, another social issue. We started talking about the reproductive rights and women's rights, particular again going after Roe v. Wade, particular anyone who wants Roe v. Wade overturned is somehow we're against women's rights. Which again, you have to really be- You have to go with the idea that abortion by itself is a reproductive issue and a and healthcare. Frankly, Which- well,
0: the way that he presented it was interesting to me. It is not even what you just mentioned. It's that he said that we need to pass this uh, both as a a uh, a healthcare preventative healthcare, but also as maternal care. And I was like. When you mention abortion, that that's not really enhancing their abilities as a mother. If you know, like, if, if they've terminated the life, like I was like, you can have one, you can have the other. Like, you can't really try to, to bridge both sides of the aisle there, Joe.
1: True. No, and speaking of passage, he talked about the election and talked about his voting rights bill, in particular, yep. again. <laughs> which John from my-
0: Lewis voting rights.
1: Yes. And I am on the in the impression that voting rights was never at stake. It was the election integrity. The integrity of our election was at stake. And I think what this would do, if it were to pass, would actually further erode the trust of our electoral process if it were to be passed, which I find it ironic. And frankly, I think the only reason why they want to pass this is because they know I mean, Nancy Pelosi outright, straight up said in order for us to win future elections, we need to pass this voting rights bill because pretty much legalizes a lot of the issues that conservatives and the conservative base keep bringing up as far as, you know, no voter ID necessary to sh- to go out and vote. Uh, no, no checks as far as uh, ballots and making sure you are who you say you are. Ver- basically, no, fil- no filtering system to me to make sure the legal people who are legally able to vote go ahead and vote so i thought that was interesting how he brought that up and the only reason like i said they want to pass it so they can pretty much cheat legally Yeah.
0: well i mean if you if you want a dissection of of the john lewis rights voting act um you've got episode 34 on the between the liars podcast uh which uh ken you came on for that specific episode didn't you yes yeah I that did. was the democrats proposed voting reform which was uh the john lewis voting rights act and uh one let's see yeah, I had
1: an audio freedom to
0: vote act that's right good old good old days so yeah check out um episode 34 and then if you want more debate Uh, That's not just the echo chamber with, you know, (laughs) me and Ken here since nobody else could make it. Uh, Then you're going to want to check out episode 36 of the Between the Liars podcast. So episode 34 and 36, uh, we actually had uh, Joe Bob from the Daily Caller Live slash Turning Point USA and also Chris from the Alt-Left podcast. Uh, Number one, go check out both of their channels. Uh, Obviously, Joe Bob's going to skew more towards the right slash libertarian side. Uh, and Chris from the Alt Left podcast is very much entrenched on the like literally like he calls himself communistic uh, side of the uh, of the left left left. Somehow I found someone more left than Josh. It's astounding, <laughs> uh, well, but that was a great debate, and, and that yeah. unpacks all of those.
1: Yeah, and you can also also have some information as far as wh- why I think the the Texas election. Integrity of our elections at stake, you could go to my subsect newsletters. It's called January 6th, The Great Disconnect. And also, that's also a podcast that I posted. I want to say in sometime January I can't remember the actual number like you do, but I definitely <laughs> do. Talk I, about-
0: I had my phone below the screen. I was like scrolling. <laughs> but nobody <laughs> yeah. will ever know that. <laughs> Except <laughs> I just said it. So now they do. But you, you wouldn't have known. Yes.
1: Yeah, so but my episode and article is called January 6th, The Great Disconnect. And I go over some allegations and results of election audits that pretty much justify why I think we need to have these election integrity bills passed in these red states in particular, or just really any state, all states should do this, but I digress. Um, <laughs> okay. So one thing also going back to the Afghanistan situation. Yeah. He conveniently left out that there's reports that actually confirmed that he highly underestimated, if not straight out lie that he got the majority of Americans out of there. Right now, we are currently sitting at around 9,000 to 15,000 American civilians still in Afghanistan, basically abandoned by our own government, which it's interesting how our we're more concerned about the situation in Ukraine right now. We really don't have not much U.S. Uh, territory, I don't want to say territory, but not much U.S. Uh, footprint right now over there compared to Afghanistan. We have literally almost, we have 9,000 up to 15,000. That's a lot of people that are still there. And you also
0: 9,000 9, in Ukraine or in Afghanistan? Afghanistan. Okay.
1: Afghanistan right now. So there's an actual report that came out. I talked about this in my last ep- or a few episodes ago and I actually keep bringing this up. Now every episode is like a little reminder to people. There's still people there in Afghanistan, <laughs> but like 9,000, yeah. American civilians are still there.
0: That's, right. that is huge. And that is a huge problem. I'll add, I'll, I'll do one better, and I'll add another one. Uh, something like, they had a nine. I can't remember if it's, uh, let, let, me, let me Google this. Uh, keep going. I'll be back with this thought.
1: <laughs> well, I do find, And also, I want to, s- listen, I really think uh, Taylor, Mar- Mary, Jerry, oh my gosh. Do you know how to pronounce her name? The middle name, Patrick. Like Taylor Green. Marjorie Sorry. Taylor Green? Marjorie Taylor Green. Thank uh, you. I'm pretty sure she was either because I'm pretty sure she's the one that made that 13 people comment during his speech uh, referring to the Marines who died in the suicide bombing attack as they were trying to get Americans and Afghan uh, refugees out of there. And uh, yeah, that's also another thing, which I'm pretty sure all the comments I heard during the speech that made people boo. I'm pretty sure it was because of her. I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty sure it's because of her and she, And that's because she's not a politician. She literally comes from a middle-class background, and she was not a career politician before this. And I would recommend anyone to go watch the interview with Tim Poole, the guy with the beanie, black beanie. And you will really see just how down to earth she is. And she thinks like a voter. And she sees the BS of the bureaucrats. But um, not sorry to get a little off track there, but. It's fun, like a, kind of going back really connecting with the Afghanistan, how suddenly he cares about the American veterans. Yeah, we got like nine thousand Americans still stranded right now because of his incompetence. And no one wants to call him out. The people that were clapping, kind of going back to just the audacity of the people, the Democrats just clapping along with him. Yep. No no one baited an eye by the fact that he lied about getting the majority of Americans out of there. When we're out, yep. not even close to the majority of veterans are out there. That's a huge number.
0: Angela's asking. yeah, Yes, Ken is a veteran. Yep, absolutely. So this is a special hitting close to home topic for him. Uh, I found the number that I was looking for. Uh, in Afghanistan, there are now some 24 million people experiencing acute food insecurity. Right, So they're facing famine um, and all of that because the Taliban has overrun that country. So like, in addition to the U.S. citizens who are left there, Because of us pulling out the way that we did and it collapsing to the Taliban, it is now – those citizens there are experiencing – 24 million people experiencing food insecurity. And on top of that, think about all of the women in Afghanistan who are now – subjugated back to Sharia law under the Taliban, which they have reinstituted, which means that women and children are going to be sold into sex slavery in this nation. So this goes beyond just the, the terrible damage that we did by leaving the people there who are American citizens. Don't forget that allowing it to collapse to the Taliban also has those issues to deal with.
1: Uh side note, didn't you hear the story how the Taliban is pleading Russia? Or not necessarily pleading Russia, but they told Russia to stop invading Ukraine. <laughs>
0: Did, I think no, I don't think it was the Taliban, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was uh wasn't it in Iran or was it the Taliban? No, it was the Taliban. It was oh. Afghanistan. <laughs> Pretty oh. it was 95 okay.
1: percent sure it was the Taliban. Yeah. But again,
0: find it ironic
1: that he they they're calling out Russia and again. Yeah, yeah
0: that's that that <laughs> is definitely something else uh <laughs> you know you've messed up when the taliban is basically saying well well hold on we might be going a little too far here right i mean it's that's yeah. that it's is like, crazy
1: and you know going back to the Russian ukraine it's not even getting into the some of your rumors as far as like the bio labs that may or may not be there and everything like that so yeah if you want to hear more of that speculation or everything like that, guys, you can call my show Taboo Topic, all right? That's where I do most of my speculation on, but uh, between the liars, I'll, go, I'll try to respect you and not get you deplatformed with my speculation and conspiracy theories.
0: <laughs> no, <Nah>, you're good. <laughs> um, So, now that you've brought up the uh, Russia Ukraine again. I do want to touch on how that's tying in to our interdependence on the oil industry because like, I, the amount of people who say that if you are blaming President Biden for the inflated gas prices and you don't understand economics is mind boggling to me because you know sure you can't attribute everything directly to the president of the United States but when he number one like I mentioned kills the Keystone Pipeline. Number two, refuses to allow us to actually do anything on U.S. soil when it comes to fracking or even like cleaner forms of removing gas so that we can have those and remain independent um, at least internationally on our oil usage. And then number three, greenlights and supports the Nord Stream Pipeline in, in Europe that is connected to Ukraine. Then you've opened yourself up to international. And Couple that again with our our the the attempt to go back to the Iranian deal, right? Which was a garbage policy, and we have a whole episode on that as well. But a garbage policy that basically sold out all any anything that we had as far as like the ability to negotiate or or hold uh, you uh, Iran accountable gave it all away under President Obama. And surprise, surprise, Obama point. To, you know, 3.0, because it's basically uh, you know, Biden is just a less eloquent and far more Caucasian version of President Obama. Like it, a lot of his policies, he's come in and done worse.
1: Well, That's- some people call him Carter 2.0.
0: <laughs> well that too. I mean, you you've really you've really got him uh coming in now and just really trying to make a mark by restructuring, like even Carter, FDR, take your pick. I mean, you're you're seeing the unrest of some of these past presidents. So like, he's basically taken... Like, if he did a buffet, he picked the worst of all of them and, and was like, ta-da, in my... It's 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 ridiculous. Which, that could probably bring us to now. <laughs> the new democratic motto, secure the border. Uh, and, and this is just a whole bunch of platitudes that he said because, you know, Kamala Harris, to my knowledge, has still not even visited the southern border yet. Uh, but don't you worry, we sent her over to Ukraine to reassure our, our ally there. So, I mean, the most... Influx in immigrants Passing the border uh, Coming over the border From the southern border of Mexico Then we've had uh, uh, Close to what 200,000 plus That have crossed the border illegally And And I mean There's just so much to unpack there Like yeah No kidding Of course we should have We we should have secured the border before But it was racist Uh, According to Joe Biden It was racist To secure our border Which is why they let them run rampant Uh, Not to mention You know Law-abiding legal citizens had to be locked up in their homes, couldn't go anywhere or do anything, but you know what? We were neither COVID testing these, and, and I'm not even talking about in Omnicron, I'm talking about like Delta, and then even before that in the original strain, when it was far more deadly, releasing them into the interior and basically said, hey, make sure you come back for your court date. No kidding, of course they didn't come back. Show up. <laughs> No, and they don't have to, and then they don't track them. So they number one didn't have any idea of whether or not these people were were COVID positive, and Mexico had the big influx in COVID positive cases and deaths at the time, and were just letting them come across the border and go. Who knows where? Biden certainly doesn't. His administration certainly doesn't because they didn't track them.
1: I'm gonna say something taboo that happened that I personally witnessed firsthand when Biden took office. But part of the po- so one of the things they did to shuttle the illegal aliens are coming through the border and everything, because it could, because there are so many people coming through. there's actually a project on base to where they cut it off for like a good block or two. And they build up tents and basically portables and facilities to allow these illegal aliens to stay at. And that actually happened guys. Like that was a, that's a quiet part that happened that no one in the media is going to talk about. And well, that's you know, an, a lot of U.S. bases where they would ship these illegal aliens into these bases and the bases would act, would have to like create would have to block off blocks and create these portables to allow room for really to house these illegal aliens because they're not going to yep. support that, which part of the which part of Trump's genius with the remain in Mexico policy was before they could come to American soil, the Mex Trump made Mex Mexico, sorry, made Mexico uh, hold those people, basically made them wait in line like they're supposed to, and make sure they went through the filtering and went through the process to make sure that if you want to come in this country legally, you can. But also, we're just not going to let anyone come in, and claim asylum just because your economic situation in your country is atrocious right now
0: right which- and, and a lot of them were claiming asylum based off of economic problems which is like well yeah of course there's a lot of nations right now that could claim economics a- you know economic uh, economic asylum because of course your country's been run into the ground that doesn't mean that the united states has the ability to support all of them right like I, I i believe we you know we need to sympathize with their situation of course and it's tragic but at the same time when we're not actually tracking um, who is coming in and who is not? Then you know you also run into the whole problem of there were people who were sex trafficking and drug trafficking across the southern border. Uh, the you know when during the debates when Trump was like ridiculed by some of the media who didn't understand what a coyote was. He wasn't referring to the animal obviously, and it certainly wasn't like Wiley e. Coyote from uh-huh. Looney Tunes, right? Yeah. It was. It, it, it was the Mexican cartel that was sex trafficking minors and saying, ah, yes, this is me and my family and my children were claiming asylum. When, when Trump was actually screening these people, I don't remember the exact number, but a very large portion of them were actually being trafficked and he stopped them. And then Biden gets into office and is like, well, we don't we don't know where these sex traffic minors went. What? That is a huge problem when you don't understand how this works. And then, of course, when Biden comes out with a soft policy on that, he does not have the ability. And this will get to good luck. You know, the Democratic platform is apparently now secure the border. Good luck, number one, getting your 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 voter base on board with that, um, who were you know the ones who were crazy enough to be in favor of not securing the border in the first place. But number two, good luck telling. Mexico you know let oh, we want to go back to Trump's original plan like wait in Mexico or guess what we're gonna to be tougher it's too late you open the floodgates like good luck it's not gonna happen like he can he can only claim this and that's what he wants uh, th- this is my big point here that is what he wants he wants to be able to now say oh I'm in favor of securing the border so he can also on the other hand say but we can't but he doesn't say that he's like we're trying we're t- give me another term guys give me give me another chance that's a
1: career politician and I think the American—that's he is. I mean, he's a <laughs> career politician, and like I was mentioning before, the State of the Union speech, the American people within the last year they got to see just really the difference between a career politician in charge versus a non-career politician in charge. Yeah, and the efficiency of government when you leave both of those to themselves. Yep. And right now, we're seeing the classical bureaucrat—they talk big game. But when it comes time for action, they don't do anything. Right. If anything, if anything, they push for policies that go against the people's will. Yeah. And part, and the people want the border secure. They want the wall to be finished. The, I think the wall only had like a quarter mile left before it's complete. But Joe Biden, because it was a racist to build a wall, uh, <laughs> decided to go ahead and stop the project of constructing the wall, which. I mean, one thing that does get talked about, too, because they bring up children, right? Kids in cages. Right. That was also a big talking point during Trump's days in particular was one of the reasons why the children got separated from the adults is because a lot of the adults and children, like the children were not actually in relation to the
0: adult. Like there was adults that yep. were using
1: children as pawns
0: just to that get them too. across the border. Even if they weren't sex trafficking them, yes, that was exactly what happened.
1: Yeah, so that's something the Democrats won't talk about. But again, it's
0: one of those, they
1: talk big game, and it's all about the election. It's all about make, retaining that power. Yeah. So, I mean, tonight I call it, I have it titled here, the circus flip. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, I mean, because it's a circus. I mean, we're, it's a clown show in there right now, and a lot of the stuff they he said is a complete 180 from what we've heard the last... Yep really since Trump ran for office to be honest ever since ran uh, ever since Trump announces run for office it's been the exact opposite it's been no that's racist you can't say that no it's racist to go a wall no it's racist to say you want to fund the police or back the police etc right. so what is the <laughs> counter argument and why is? The
0: so basically, Angela's asking if we can bring up kind of, cause I mean, cause Josh isn't here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go into my inner Josh. I'm going to channel it. I'm going to put words in his mouth. So like to the border crisis is specifically what this is talking about. So I, I think that the main argument, and this is what the Democrats ran on, was that, you know, we need to be more inclusive. And they, and they, they bring up the idea that, you know, we need to make sure that we're not you know, being racist and keeping people out. Like, I really think that the main argument was that it, it is nationalist or fascist to have strong borders and keep people out because we are a nation built on immigrants, which, you know, sure, all of those things are true, but two things can be true at once. Um, and, and now I'll just answer kind of what I assume is, is the main argument there. Uh, th- that can be true at once. Like, when, when, we, when we have standards, you, you have to pick between the two. Right. You can you're balancing on the one hand, what is very strong security so that, you know, it's basically impossible for people to get in. On the other hand, what is basically open borders? And obviously, the the truth is going to be somewhere in the middle. To me, I'm going to lean more towards towards the side that is in favor of the stronger borders. And I'll be honest with you, that's actually anybody who is an immigrant who's coming in, especially if they're applying for citizenship or just coming in here legally, they're in favor of that, too. So I would say that as much as you know that that point tries to claim racism, um, or it, it, it tries to claim nationalism, uh, really th- that's a pretty privileged perspective, and it tends to come from the 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 the, the white. Liberal portion speak trying to speak on behalf of the minorities, um, and 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 it actually undercuts the efficacy of what does it mean to be an American? What does it mean to be here? Because when you just have open borders, you actually undercut what it means to be allowed in here. And here's the other big one: if I want to go back to to like policy and economics, we can't afford because if these people are here illegally, they don't pay taxes. They might pay sales taxes. They might pay uh, maybe some some like state taxes, but they certainly don't pay federal taxes. And I'm guessing it's they okay. don't pay state. And something you have to
1: bring up as well, that companies love illegal immigrants because they can get away with paying them less than Americans. Exactly.
0: Abortion. Because yep, and they can pay them less not only because they're it's a better condition than the country that they were fleeing if they're claiming economic, you know, uh, economic asylum at that point. It's also better um be- and cheaper because if they are not here documented, then I don't have to pay taxes, which means that if I tell them I'll pay them $10 an hour, I don't actually have to pay, um, you know, it's it's not cutting it down to what, $750 after I pay for all the taxes because I'm not reporting them. So that's, that's kind of, uh, so basically all of that goes to show, and, and here's my point off of that, we as the taxpayers cannot afford this economic burden. And of course, you know, it sucks um, at some point where you can say there's some person suffering out there. It's like, yeah, and that doesn't make me heartless to say that I cannot afford, as a taxpayer, uh, to do that. Right? Like there, there, comes a point where you have to look at an introspective level and say, where are we going to set set borders? Because when you don't, uh, in my opinion, the crisis that we are in with the supply chain shor- supply chain sor- shortage, where we are in the the place where we have you know China and Russia who are going back on you know what they've said that they would do. You know, China's um, invaded Hong Kong. Uh, China is looking at invading Taiwan. Uh, Mark my words, if we don't handle Russia, that is my guess that they'll be doing that next. Um, And you've got, you know, Russia now invading Ukraine, all because you show that you are soft, that you have a soft spot. And you know what, I would love to say that while that is a utopian view, and that's great, there comes a point where there are consequences. In my opinion, we're seeing those consequences. So that's my very long (laughs) <laughs>
1: uh, uh, answer to that. I would try to say as well, because one thing I want to point out real quick, because my mom was an immigrant from Honduras. Yep. And so I have a little soft spot for this particular topic. What I've noticed what the Democrats tend to do a lot of time is try to conflate all immigrants together. They don't make a distinction between illegal yep. aliens versus legal aliens. Now, with that said, conservatives in particular sometimes conflate with li- the illegal aliens in a sense of, So I I was listening to the Michaela Pearson podcast recently where she brought up like two sides of the debate, right? And one of the people brought up this interesting stat where 25% of the population right now is illegal aliens. But twelve at least around twelve percent, thirteen percent, they already came here legally. So what does that say? Well, it says that at least thirteen to twelve percent have already come through the legal went through the legal process and they're trying to go through the legal process to extend their visas however our system is too slow to actually keep up with the demand in order to renew their visas and then the, that's what now the other 12 percent those are people who came here illegally didn't go through the legal process they cut the line which from someone who has a immigrant background or something like that it's disrespectful to me to everyone who's actually gone through the legal process and they just want to give basically give amnesty uh to the illegal aliens that don't even bother trying to go through the process. And some of the arguments will say, well, they're desperate. You know, they just want a better economic freedom and everything like that, which listen, I get it. I sympathize with those people and everything like that, but we can't accept everyone. in. there's only so much room we have in our country. And also it's a dangerous world out there and the immigration process, the filtering system shouldn't be easy to begin with. We should want, I want to make sure that the people are coming here legally actually want to be part of the American experience.
0: And and here's, it's really being disingenuous to basically paint anyone who's in favor of secure borders as someone who is racist or who is not opposed to immigration because it would be equally disingenuous if I said, great, you don't want secure borders, you're in favor of sex trafficking. Like, just because... You know, I can tie something. You Does not mean that you are in favor of that. So anyone who says that if I'm in favor of secure borders, paint tries to paint me as a racist, then like you really need to be careful uh, because it's also, I, I'm i am all about genuine discourse. And so I don't resort to those tactics, but you know, you, there's a fine line between taking uh Taking responsibility for what your policies have as consequences, right? Because if I'm in favor of secure borders and I keep people out, that doesn't mean that I'm in favor of racism. I can actually directly link uh, you know, policies that are that are more open in borders in nature and are allowing people to come in uh, and exploit kids to get in, like you mentioned, Kend, or sex traffic or drug traffic, like I mentioned earlier. Your policies have those consequences. So when we're passing policies or you're voting for a politician, what you really need to think about is what are you comfortable with, right? Like, I, and you need to think about what are the consequences? If you have open borders like they have had, where they just they don't, they don't give a crap about them uh, and, and they don't monitor them, then you have the crisis that we are in right now. If you are in favor of the wall, then you have to deal with being called racist. Like to me, those are not even comparable in options. Like, of course I am going to be in favor of securing my borders because on top of that, I can flip the race card around on you. You are not only speaking on behalf of all immigrants and then focusing on the ones that meet your narrative who happen to be of a darker skin tone, right? Because, Oh, guess what uh ukrainians can actually claim asylum and the democrats are not saying that right now because guess what it would do would destroy the narrative um and it would they would not have they they would have more caucasians coming into the country is really what that would do right like who 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 have seen socialism firsthand in russia because ukraine branched off from communistic socialistic russia right so they're, they're very much trying to protect the narrative here in my opinion
1: Yes, I want to also bring in real quick, I want people to really understand the whole point of asylum because this is something I had to learn and train on when I was in. The point of asylum is really, you feel as though the government is going after you, more or less, right? So if someone's coming across the border and they have their hands raised and saying asylum, 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 or there's a Russian spy coming to get me, it's supposed to protect you because it's supposed to protect you from political violence, basically. That's the whole point of asylum. So and that's part of the flaw right now in our system is that it is so broad; doesn't really specify uh, what can, what constitutes as political asylum. And that's how you can that's how the Demo- Democrats, that can talk English. <laughs> that's how the Democrats can get away with uh, really using that term so broadly to where anyone could just claim asylum, even for economic purposes. Which again, like we mentioned, anyone could claim economic purposes throughout the world. But there's only so much room we have, in in the end it would probably be detrimental to our economy because a lot of them do end up on social welf- yeah, welfare and that's going to affect the taxpayer dollars as well, which that will put a strong- Well, again, it's gonna,
0: you, you have to draw a distinction between the tax, right? Because if I'm not a legal immigrant, then I technically don't qualify for um, at least not federal- um, assistance like that. So, I mean, you do want to be consistent with that um, and, and distinguish, but, but at the same time, you know, if th- there are people who would qualify. So again, it's very nuanced conversation and we have to be careful because, you know, it's these politicians that, uh, I think Angela mentioned it earlier, nuance is important and it's not a lot of times mentioned. Uh, it's not mentioned by the media. It's not mentioned by, like we saw it tonight. Like it's just a huge, huge issue where they just paint with broad strokes and you can't do that. But yeah, so yeah. apparently now the new the new democratic mantra is secure the border, um, at least going up to the midterms. <laughs>
1: secure the border, uh, pro-police all of a sudden. That's another mantra. They're pro-military. Yep.
0: Man. <laughs> COVID is now over. Um, yeah, that's... it's Basically, they've, they've said uh, what we have known from the data before this. When you defund the police, you see a spike in crime. Uh, because you saw a direct correlation between the cities that defunded the police and their murder rates. And then when they reimbursed the the police department again, then it went back down. Like you, you see that these things, it, it is the law abiding citizens and the voters that get hurt. And again, I guess my broader point here is going to be, you know, of course, we would love to help everyone that we possibly could. Of course, there are instances where injustice happens. Like, of course. We're trying to mitigate those. That is what we're trying to do. And you're not seeing that, in my opinion, for the Democratic platform. Um, I th- This this was an interesting one. The Paycheck Fairness Act. I, I actually hadn't heard about this one, so I kind of did a quick Google while he was droning on. Basically, the, the general – are you familiar with it, Ken?
1: Uh, I've heard rumors of it. Not too much. Okay.
0: Uh, the long and short of it is basically going to be that – it, it's trying to, st- it's trying to prevent the wage gap, right? So you've got income inequality between men and women, uh, based off of gender, uh, that they're trying to reduce. And I've got a really, let me see if I can, if I can pull this up.
1: So, so I am, like outcome. what's that? So it sounds like they're trying to push for this equality of outcome.
0: Well, not even the equality of outcomes so much as what they're trying to do is they they say that there is, and I'm going to put this up full screen so people uh, can see this. Okay. So I, I'm going to stand for the argument that the, the, the wage gap is a myth. And actually a recent publication by the New York Times where they actually controlled for predictor variables, uh, it, it actually demonstrated that this was in fact the case. And I actually, uh, came prepared. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've talked about this before, but I, I don't, I, I didn't think I'd be talking about it today. So when you say that there is a disparity, you know, women make, what is it? 70, 78 cents on the dollar. Uh, they're not accounting for several things. They're not asking questions like, what are the jobs that these people that they surveyed hold? What is their skill level? Right. Are they a minimum wage worker, or do they have a PhD? Um, are they, you know, are, have they advanced in the field? They don't ask what degree do they hold, right? Because an aerospace engineering or underwater basket weaving, those are not the same thing, right? Like they're they're not the same majors. You're not going to make the same. You're you're less likely to be placed on one than the other in your field. And you need to ask what's the risk factor, uh, because. When you're working on an oil rig, you're making potentially close to $200,000 a year um, or something like that. Uh, But if you're an administrative assistant, you don't have as much of a risk factor. The oil riggers, aside from the undesirable job that it is, it's also very dangerous and they get hazard pay. So you really need to ask, what does the job entail? You also need to ask, what is the level of responsibility? Are they a manager or do they work on the assembly line? Right, Because when I'm a manager, I'm going to be making more than my employees underneath me. You also need to ask when you survey these people and they report their income, what was the amount that they lost in maternity leave? Uh, so if you're going to be saying that women on average make less than men, you need to account for those things because you have um, all of these things would be called control variables, right? They're things that you need to account for in order to run the analysis that then comes out and says the, there, there's there's a discrepancy. And I've actually talked on this several times um, in, in various lecture situations. Uh, and what's really interesting is that uh, within the last year, year and a half, I think it was the the New York Times came out and published a study that basically said, if you control for everything I've mentioned here, women, if and you're again taking the average here, they make 98, 99 cents on the dollar for men. So the study that is held up by the Democratic Party to pass a law that is actually more restrictive on the businesses for no reason and won't fix their issues actually winds up being more uh, it, it, more or less, it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't do what it's supposed to there, which, which is which is crazy uh, that that they can stand there and they can say, ah, yes, this this is something that exists and we need to deal with it. And actually, in addition,
1: <laughs> I want to quickly point out though too that women tend to be more social psychologically, and so when they choose a job in particular, they're going to pick jobs that are more socially based, and those jobs tend to pay less than the yeah. near, It's predominantly
0: male you you are actually exactly correct here and uh we're talking actually i'm going to zoom in on this so you can see this when you look here this is the female dominated stem degrees by early career salaries so uh usually you're going to have a difference between stem fields and non-stem fields like i'm really sorry to myself and everyone else who is in the social sciences or the soft you know the humanities anything that is not hard science uh, stem is going to be science technology um, engineering and math. If you're not in fields that are based in those things, you're just not gonna make as much starting out the gate. And honestly, you will never make as much as someone who's doing, let's say aerospace engineering. So here is, if we take the STEM degrees right here, top STEM degrees, the, the survey that they had out there that actually controlled for the things that I talked about and controlled for their majors, If you are, these are the fields right here that are more likely to be dominated by women. And if you're only listening to the audio version, I'll read them. Uh, Animal sciences, zoology, neurobiology, and neurosciences, interior architecture, biology. uh, Let's see here. Biotechnology, physiology, ecology, microbiology, biochemistry, cellular biology, food science technology, and then pharmacology and toxicology. Those are the STEM fields that tend to be dominated by women. And again, this is in general. It's not to say that women don't go into these fields or can't go into these fields. This is, again, the average. Look at the salary base here along the bottom. $60,000 is what you're on average going to make when you start out. And that is the best salary. That these fields make out of everything I mentioned. On the low end here, you're looking at around 30 to 33,000. So even going into a STEM field, which on average makes more than the other fields, like uh, let's say something along the lines of like <laughs> teaching or college professor, or um, I don't know, political science, anything like that. On average, you're going to make less than this anyway. But the the, when women go into STEM, they tend to go into these fields. And it's for what you mentioned, Ken, it's actually because um, a lot of times these are a little bit more social in, in nature. Now look at the male, the, the, the STEM fields that are dominated by men right here. Forestry, computer systems, networking, computer information systems, physics, computer science, mechanical engineering, aerospace and aeronautical engineering, computer engineering, electrical engineering, nuclear engineering, uh, metal, I don't know, something with metals for engineering. <laughs> all
1: <was> basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. And here we just have all the, the engineering, mining, engineering, petroleum engineering, look at the starting salaries out of, so all of these are the ones that are dominated by males. Of course there's females here in this field, but they're, they, they tend to not have as many women in them. And it's really important to note <laughs> that these these off the bat make more. Uh, so the lowest one here, you're looking at a starting salary of around forty thousand. And when you get up into like petroleum and engineering, you're making upwards of ninety thousand a year. So it, the distinction that needs to be drawn here is that STEM fields that tend to make more the ones that are dominated by men, also tend to be higher paying. So like of course when they they average this out and they say ah women make less than men, it's because of this, and they don't account for this in that study. So anyway, the bigger point that I'm getting at here, rather than than droning on, sorry. <laughs> is we need to understand that according to biden we need to pass this legislation because there's inequality when in reality there 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 is not equality when you account for personal choice and and here's a couple of things that i want to say that's important to note number one women do tend to be uh, less likely to go into these fields as as a particular factor because it is a male-dominated field and that's something that you know needs to be addressed and needs to be acknowledged and, and i'll acknowledge that uh, you know it, it can often be seen as like the the old boys club um, and and that that's an obstacle that they need to overcome but it's not the way that the that the Biden administration is is is, pointing government us
1: is out. Not the way to go about it.
0: Well say that again. I was
1: saying government intervention is not the way to go about it.
0: Right and government inter- intervention is not going to fix this because here's the thing if women are deterred from from these fields because they see it as a boys club what is the government going to do to fix that? Because what I've shown you through these this this these charts and the data that they ran is that there's really not, first and foremost, all that much of a discrepancy between men and women based off of the field. Like it, it's really sad because like I had an intelligent woman in one of my classes basically come to me in in despair saying that she is guaranteed, even though she's in the same field as me, to be making 78 cents on the dollar. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, no. Like that, that, that doesn't automatically mean, and, and that's, that is the mentality that these, these women are being taught by the Biden administration is, and, and it actually turns into a learned victimhood because they that, believe that there's nothing they can do about it.
1: It's counterintuitive to the whole female empowerment. If you think about it too, it, it's its
0: not even it, not, not only that you're absolutely right. Not only that, it actually teaches them to remain helpless, so that then they vote for this bullshit. Like that—that that is what this does. It—it—it—it—it it, 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 it raises votes. And I, I broke my rule. I usually try not to swear, but it is—it's bullshit. <laughs> um, here's here's another thing that that um that you need to understand. You were kind of touching on the differences between men and women, just personality wise. Yep. Uh, number one it's important to remember. You're right. Uh, But again, that's a generalization, just like it's a generalization that women tend to go into one field and men tend to go in the other. It's not always going to be the case, but generally that that's where they tend to drift. And that's why we have these numbers in the same way. Women tend to be more agreeable than men. Um, Not all women are agreeable and not all men are not agreeable, but that is a generalization. When you look at the population as a whole, that tends to be true. Women are also less likely to negotiate their salary, their starting salary. And part of that stems from their tendency to be agreeable. Yep. But like, as a male, I also tend to be more agreeable. So like, of course, that trait tends to undercut me when I'm trying to negotiate a salary. And you need to be aware of that. It's not because of my gender. And it wouldn't be because of her gender. It has to do with your personal traits on a personal level. But like, we need to understand that that contributes to the, the, the quote unquote pig app as well. And here's the other issue. We just mentioned that government intervention is not going to fix this unless you steamroll these fields and guarantee that like, you know, you can only have a certain quota before you can't let any more men into the field. You know, there are plenty of women who don't want to go into these fields, right? There are plenty of women who have made the choice to go into the field that they want to. And just like me, Right? like I chose to go into the public education and I, I I teach at the collegiate level. That was a personal choice and I, I took that knowing I would have a pay cut. I would make almost two to three times that if I went into like private consulting or I went into something like data analysis. I just don't want to do that. And you're faulting these women for making that choice and then spinning it off to get votes to say that these women are are helpless and, and they're not. Like There are plenty of women who have gone into the engineering field who are making five times what I'm making. Uh, And it has nothing to do with our gender. It has everything to do with the field. So we need to remember that as well. And Biden is capitalizing on this by saying, well, now we need government intervention. Here's the other thing government intervention won't fix. Government intervention will not help women negotiate their salary better. So when you say on average, women make $5,000 less than a man in the same field, that's going to close the remaining 1% to 2% that I talked about, right? So if I go in and I am less agreeable and I negotiate my salary, and on average, I'm making more than my female counterparts, because that is true. So anyone who's going to come at me and say, ah, there are women who are in the exact same positions making less. It's because of that. It's because they didn't negotiate their salary more often than not. And it's because they let it go. So how then, let me, let me flip this around. How is the government intervening, going to help women negotiate their salaries. It's not. So here's my proposed solution. Instead of teaching victimhood to gain, to garner votes, why don't we teach our female counterparts who have trouble negotiating salaries, how to do that? Or our male counterparts, right? If I have trouble negotiating, regardless of my gender, and that's going to close that remaining one to 2%, fix that problem. But they don't want to talk about that because that, and, and, and everyone here, you're welcome for this whole major tangent. Um, but all of this major L for your your stance on on the Paycheck Fairness Act, uh, like you mentioned, Ken, it's it's advocating for government intervention. What good is that going to do? The main my if I just summarize this, my main point here is that the the small minute difference is accounted for in two ways. Number one, personal differences and personal choice and the fields that they go into. Let them be. Let them be happy. Stop making them feel like they are victims for that personal choice. Uh, the second big thing here is learn to negotiate that, that closes the remaining thing. And then there are individual acts of sexism, racism, racism, etc. cetera. Of course, I acknowledge that. And then we can deal with that. And boom, I've just fixed all of those issues. We don't need a government intervention that requires taxpayer dollars.
1: All right. I mean, Jordan Peterson actually brought, brings this up a lot and this would kind of go into the conversation of like investing into mental health resources and really teaching people to be more assertive and be less agreeable when they are actually trying to go for these positions and demand it so they can demand a higher salary and be able to negotiate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't know. It, it really, if, if I had to summarize kind of what all of this came down to, it's, it's really just a play for votes in the midterm. Everything from deciding that, you know, <laughs> the social science data saying that the Democrats are losing at the polls right now, um, and not the actual data saying that Omicron is, is, you know, actually, <laughs> is, <laughs> is actually the issue. Here. Or like, they've changed all of their stances now because they're losing at the polls. Boom. It is 100% politically driven.
1: I, like I said, I titled it on my notes the circus clip. <laughs> it's just about to cloud. It is. The yeah. Look at their position. That's all it is right now.
0: Did you have any other like specific notes that you wanted to get to? Because if not, I, I want to make sure that we touch on kind of big picture overall thoughts on this stuff before we wrap down. Wind down, wrap up.
1: I think I've hit all of the points that we could possibly hit. Otherwise, we'd probably be here until 3 a.m. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, your time before mine since we're on separate time zones. Uh, this yep. this is definitely the longest I have ever done a talk. And uh, thank you for all of you who have stuck with us. <laughs> Although I feel like the later we get into the night, the more people are likely to show up because they've moved past their real jobs. I was going to say, like, how many people are on right now? Uh, I actually don't know. We'll go with hundreds. Too many to count. How about that? <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> uh, much macabre, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, well, like what, what are, what are your, your, we'll, we'll, we'll give our overall thoughts and then we'll go into hot takes where we'll summarize our big takeaways. But like, what, what did you think about like the, maybe we could talk about the current state of the country or just Biden slash the democratic party handling these situations before they reported on them.
1: So I'm just going to go ahead and do like a report card, right? So as far as <laughs> the posture, Love it. The posture for Joe Biden in his speech, we'll give him a B, all right? It was like typical bureaucrat. But as far as everything else, as far as uh, character, we'll give him a D, maybe an F. I don't know. Uh, his hypocrisy level, we'll give him an A on that. He's definitely a hypocrite today, tonight. Uh, as far as the job performance overall, let's go, Brandon. That kind of speaks for itself. What else? Uh, as far as the State of the Union, believe it or not, I'm going to give it a C. It's going to be a better grade, and I think it's not so much because uh, people have united with each other for policy. Well, take it back. We have united against really the radical left, it seems like, in Joe, against Joe Biden. And again, I think the Democrats highly overestimated the popularity of their ideas, and obviously it showed tonight. Where they did a complete 180 on all of these
0: policies. Ooh, man! All right. Well, I guess you know I'll agree with you on the B for the the posture and the delivery. Like I was fine. I think he stumbled a few times, which I'm probably gonna you know jerk that down to a a B minus. Then it kind of drags it down a little bit. Uh, the general state of the union, honestly, I'd put us at a D. I I I think that when you add up inflation, uh, terrible international presence, the the leadership from behind that Joe Biden is is doing, he's basically looking at what is Europe doing that he can then. Follow and support. He's he's not actually putting any policies in place where he risks anything. So he's very much following, not only behind the people of his country, he's following, in my opinion, behind the other leaders. He's not being a leader. He he's just kind of steering our ship a little bit when it's it's drifting a little too off course to where at the last second, you know, he's kind of between where is inaction making me look worse than a decision, and then he kind of puts himself out there and and that's that's about it. Um, content. We we spent the last hour, hour and a half fact checking and and talking about how it's complete BS. <laughs> so yeah, that that was content F. Big freaking L. Uh, no. it, was just, it was it was not not well done. Very disingenuous. Not that I expected anything less from politicians. And I will say, I'll acknowledge this. It's pretty easy sitting here when uh you know it's. I don't know. As a commentator, I just have to rip on the party. I don't have to actually do anything myself. As much as I, you know, would like to say that a lot of my policies would be a heck of a lot better than theirs, I, I don't. I'm not obligated to do that. They, they are in office. They're making the big bucks. That is on them. So th- those are the ones that I'd hit on.
1: Okay. So real quickly, since you brought up as far as the State of Union as in like how we're doing performance wise, I give it an F, that's an <laughs> F- minus. F yeah. minus. I didn't know and you could uh, negatively fail. I thought a fail was a fail. <laughs> F minus, like you said, big huge L uh, as far gotta, as implicated practicality policies so far. So definitely in that regard, definitely an F. So I was just talking about like the unity aspect.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's fair. that that, okay so yeah all right that's fair i I mean like you said i feel like we're more unified against the president and then the more crazy uh policies that are being put out by the democrats who are in office right now it's really not so much actually unified so i guess you know hey maybe uh maybe a b for him achieving unity since it's you know it's it's in spite honestly most of these quote unquote successes uh austin mentioned this to me earlier he feels like a lot and i agree Uh, A lot of the successes that we've seen have been in spite of President Biden rather than because of President Biden. A lot of them have also been when he doesn't get through his agenda, that's where we see more success, right? Like Build Back Better would have decimated the economy, no doubt. Uh, It would have ramped up taxpayer dollars. Um actually I forgot to fact check this. The whole child tax credit thing is garbage because it actually increases your taxes so much that the middle and lower class won't be able to afford it and it doesn't distinguish between like a needs based clause. So if I'm making $180,000 a year and I don't need assistance it was still going to be giving those people so the wealthy the ultra wealthy the tax credits. So taxing everyone especially the middle and lower class and then distributing it equally. So everything that they're saying, their policies are counterintuitive to their their outcome goals.
1: And also really quickly, uh, something that people may or may not know, when it comes to housing projects, they tend to create more problems, especially lead to more higher crimes, just an FYI out there.
0: It does. Anything government-funded and government-regulated is a big freaking L. It is It is always made worse. Um, honestly, you, you cannot... I, I would challenge anyone point to a situation in which the government is running things and it's better than if it was privately run or if it was left alone. Like I, I would honestly defy anyone to point to that. And you know, Hey, if, if you can, if you can point to that, contact me, I'd love to debate you. Um, or, or, you know, if, if you're not comfortable doing it like live, then like, you know, I, we could do it recorded. We could also, you know, you, you can write it and I'll just, you know, read it and I'll respond to it. Like I, I'll do whatever people want to. Um, but like I, that is genuinely my opinion, and you know, I'd I'd love to have someone try to change it. I would.
1: I mean, y'all could come on my show too. I mean, it's not like <laughs> I don't. Even though Brian makes the joke, it's an echo chamber. It's not that I wouldn't mind having other voices on my show. It's just no on the other side wants to come on my show. So so far, anyway, everyone that I've tried to reach, I have not
0: True. That's bad. why we have him on here and attempt to get him to be able to cross, but then those people drop off.
1: <laughs> they literally like, hey, the because <laughs> he. Yeah, scared them off, apparently. apparently. Well, by today, so I guess I'm a radical, right? But by today, that <laughs> was 10 years ago. to be like a that moderate conservative, so.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we will be right back with our Hot Takes. You're listening to the Central Hub for Political Discourse, although the discourse is kind of missing tonight. All right, uh, Hot Takes. My, my final big takeaways. Number one, uh, I would say that this – <sighs> This, this whole address was incredibly disingenuous. I mean, I, I don't really know what else I can say other than what I've already said. I've, I've rambled on for three hours now with Ken and President Biden between the three of us. So the big takeaways: number one, this whole State of the Union was damage control. Everything they did from, you know, working with the other Democrats and the CDC to without any data backing, Decide that COVID is officially good enough that we can move on from it. Uh, and I say with the CDC because the CDC has actually walked back their policies and recommendations several times after consulting with the Biden administration. So that that is where my accusation there comes from is because that has happened. So, you know, that, that that's that's pretty sketchy at best and uh, honestly pretty terrible at least. Uh, so... That's my big one. Uh, it's damage control. Number two, my prediction for the midterms is there is going to be uh, hell to pay for everyone. Like like the American people are not stupid enough to think that suddenly changing the Democrats' message to support the support the police, secure the borders, uh, and, and, and you know lower gas prices. You know and just because they say these things doesn't mean they believe them, and it certainly does not mean. That they're going to act on them. So you know what? If you don't like our current situation, vote for a change, right? Like uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. People are fleeing to red states because they like that the government leaves them the hell alone. Don't move there and vote for that. Uh, to, to vote for them to you know don't don't go to Florida and the other country uh, other states that are red and try to change them blue um, when you fled there because you like the policies that are there. Like why? Why are all the Democrats going to Florida? Why is AOC in Florida? Why did the governors have their convention in Florida? Because they're left the hell alone. So guess what? Everybody, including the Democratic politicians, likes being left alone. If you like being left alone, vote to not have Democrats in office who are not going to do that. So really, this is all a ploy. Don't buy into it. That's my hot take.
1: So quickly, I want to... Let everyone know that even though this is probably Ryan's longest episode, this is pretty normal for my show. <laughs> <laughs> so, make that quick distinction out there. So, if you want a show that makes that distinction and make you know that dialogue where we can cover as many bases as we possibly can, that's what my show is for. So, my hot takes, like I said, my notes. I titled it the Circus Whip. It's a bunch of clowns running our country <laughs> right now. It's ironic that they, when Joe Biden. Uh, <laughs> came back into office after being vice president during the Obama years, the adults are back. It doesn't really seem like the adults are back. It seems like a bunch of little children trying to pretend, wanting to give out goodies to people, thinking that, hey, if we give you guys these goodies, you'll vote for us for the ne- next midterms, right? And so that's where uh, you see a lot of these flips going on, and it's very disingenuous, very hypocritical. As far as the situation with U- Russia and Ukraine, Uh, definitely some war mongering propaganda if you ask me they're trying to convince us we should send troops over there that's just my personal hot take as the title itself speaks um and at the end of the day i think the donors from the democrat side especially joe biden are telling them behind closed doors hey we're not doing so hot on these polls it's time to go ahead and change the tone and change your rhetoric which again Action speaks louder than words at the end of the day guys and if their actions say otherwise and they it contradicts to what they've been saying and what they're saying right now take note don't ignore it because at the end of the day it will affect you i mean we've seen the last two the last year and a half we've seen that very clear stark contrast now between a president who puts america first and americans first and kind of go with that more nationalistic perspective out there for policy making versus a person who is part of the globalist agenda and puts Americans last. We're seeing that very stark contrast, whether it's, we're seeing it through our gas prices or the supply chain crisis or even our borders. Um, we're, We're having that stark contrast. So definitely take note of that and really make that distinction as well, that this is what a career politician does. There's a lot of dysfunction, a lot of incompetence. And we saw what happens with, Someone who's not a politician running office, running taking taking things in charge. The government tends to run more efficiently from what I think I would hope people recognize at this point <laughs> compared to what we've seen the last year. So that would be my hot take. Really, at the end of the day, it was just like a just a circus show right now in D.C. <laughs>
0: All right. So if you want more partisan content, I guess even kind of like this <laughs> since Ken and I didn't really, I mean, we didn't really disagree a whole lot. It's not like, uh, you know, it's a good conversation when Josh and Marcelo are here uh, or even Chris from the Left podcast. Uh, check out Ken's show taboo topic. Uh, he does, if I'm not mistaken, two shows weekly. You do week in review and hot seat. Is that, is that correct?
1: Yes. So for my okay. Wednesday edition, it's the hot seat where I pick uh, one subject story that's popular or unpopular and I scrutinize it. It's in the name for itself. It's a put on the hot seat and that's really typically like my solo shows. I may have a guest, Ryan, you've done one of them. I have. I've done two. Yeah. Yeah. You're actually going to
0: feature the last one I did with you here uh, this weekend. So you can look for that on our channel or his. Oh, cool. But,
1: (laughs) um, but yeah, that's my hot seat edition. And then Ryan also took part in the weekend review editions that comes out on Fridays where we pick three to four current event stores, at the very least from the guests but we do a synopsis try to give our best uh non-partisan (laughs) opinions on the story and then afterwards we get really partisan give our initial thoughts and have a conversation afterwards but like i said it's not that i wouldn't mind having another guest from the other side of the aisle it's just everyone i've reached out to the other side they have decided to not reach back out or they just denied it. So if you're (laughs) listening to this right now and you would actually like to come on my show and you're on the other side, by all means, you're more than welcome to. Because the whole premise of it really is just protecting unpopular speech, whether you're on the left side or on the right side, because really the reason why I started the whole experience, like I said, was I think there's a disconnect between the people versus those in charge. So Wednesdays and and Fridays (laughs) and Wednesdays. It's also. I also write an article in correlation with the episode, which that's the substack kenji296.substack.com.
0: All right. Well, we are going to get out of here for tonight. Thank you for hanging with us. Uh, There will not be a live stream this Saturday. I've done three this week. That's enough. So go watch our old content. Uh, Remember, you can find Between the Liars on Spotify and and also can on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Twitch, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on our social medias to stay updated for when we do spontaneous things like this. And hey, if you enjoy this show, like this on YouTube, give us a five-star review. Share us with your friends. Uh, we, We appreciate you getting the word out there. I'm sure you find yourself somewhere between the liars. Goodbye for now.